Noon Hour is here. Check it out. And you're locked on to Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports radio station. It's my station. It's my station. This is, this is, this is, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Let's get to it. Hanson Scotty, this is 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Hope you're all having a great day. Hey, buddy, how you doing? Well, I actually like the overcast weather. I like the drizzle. I'm glad that we don't have snow packing our freeways right now. Yeah, yeah. I would. I will take rain and snow in the mountains over snow down here in the valley for were sure. You, were you getting snow up? Oh, yeah, bench? we were getting bombed pretty good this morning when I left with the snow. So it's hitting snow kind of... What, maybe, I guess, five or 600 feet up is all? Yeah, no, we're really low, so we're not that high, so yeah. Uh, yeah you're pretty high. I mean, it goes you, Carol Makita, and Kevin Eubank kind of in a in a row. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing good, man. I, I have been really interested with our kind of pre-day, trade deadline day. It's been more intriguing to me than signing day. Yeah, which used to be a big day. So I guess and signing day used to be the thing. It was the thing, and now it's anticlimactic. We kind of know a lot of the guys that have signed, and a lot of the missionaries that are returning, and a lot of the transfer portal players, and then the high school players that are signing. We're just kind of considering them rentals until yep. they go into transfer portal. Yep. And then when they go into transfer portal, it's like, well, good luck wherever you go. So. I don't know. It's kind of all over the place. I don't spend as much time looking at high school film or trying to decide whether this kid that's coming to BYU from Kansas City is going to be the real deal at quarterback. And I just know what the needs are. I know what Utah's needs are. I know what BYU's needs are. You know what Utah State's needs are, and you know what Utah and BYU need. And I look at it, and I, I see BYU signed a couple of ins, but who knows? Yep, I, I thought the ends that they've signed in the past were going to do it, and they haven't. I want to see some really good defensive line play and just not seeing it. So my fingers are crossed that BYU's picked up some good talent to rush the edge and good talent at quarterback. We'll see if that's happened. We'll see how that plays out. Uh, Kalani Satake will join us coming up at 240, so we'll chat with the head coach of BYU. We'll also chat with Blake Anderson, head coach at Utah State, coming up at 205. So uh, we'll have complete coverage, especially in the 2 o'clock hour of uh, some college football. But we got some NBA to break down. We have a trade to break down. Trade alert. Let's get to it. Hans and Scotty, 97.5, the EKSL Sports Zone. This is Hanson Scotty G. Let's go. The lineup is set, and it's time to kick off the show with the biggest topic of the day. This is the starting lineup on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. All right, we got a game to break down. We'll get to that. We also have a trade to break down as well as the Utah Jazz. And this is, you know, look, you and I grew up on farms, right? Um, you know what it's like to, uh, you know, you either you, you have a little animal that just comes into, you know, that you either 
bring onto the farm. You you build it up, you grow it up, and then you sell it. Yeah. Or you you know you plant a little seed. All of a sudden, you got yourself a nice little harvest, and then you sell it. Well, I'll tell you what, the Jazz took a flyer on Simone Fontecchio. At one point, wasn't quite sure he was an NBA player, and the Jazz essentially just flipped him for. Uh, for all intents and purposes, a late first-round pick. It'll probably go to uh, uh, Simone Fontecchio goes to Detroit. The Jazz pick up uh, a second-round pick. It'll be most likely Washington's pick. as uh, It'll be the better of the Washington-Memphis uh, second-round pick, which will, you know, it, unless Memphis really tanks, it'll be Washington's pick. And uh, they also get Kevin Knox in return. So uh, that's not a bad haul considering uh, the Jazz in asset acquisition mode. I thought Ben Anderson did a tremendous job breaking this down with uh, Jake Scott earlier today. And uh, his point was there could be a situation where they're making move to get Taylor Hendricks into the lineup and see what he can do at that three. So uh, I think the Jazz are evaluating. The Jazz are in asset uh, acquisition mode. And this might be the tip of the iceberg of some more things coming down the pipeline. All right, so I'm going to rank the things that the Jazz got back in order of intrigue and value i'm gonna go the second round draft pick first and foremost it's probably it's somewhere between 32 and 34 probably somewhere somewhere in there so i'm gonna go the second round draft pick and and the other reason that i kind of like that now that the nba draft is splitting into two days you go through the first round the second round i think is going to have a little bit more interest and a little bit more intrigue because you get to sit and really evaluate what happened in the first day and you get to start to look at, all right, well, who is left available? Who did they miss on? Who did fall down the list? Who did we love? And you've got just a little bit more time to think about it, evaluate it, build some momentum and excitement around it and pick up a nice piece at 32. Mm -hmm. So I like that second round piece. Second, I'd go Kevin Knox. I don't think Kevin Knox is going to come in and be a big-time contributor. I think that Simone Fontecchio is a much better basketball player than Kevin Knox. Kevin Knox plays in the front court. Uh, he's a pretty long, small forward. He's played quite a few years in the league. This will be his eighth year. He's in his currently in his eighth season. And he's just having a very mediocre season. Now he's having a very mediocre season with a garbage team. Yeah. Can't even say a mediocre team. Just Just one of the worst of the worst. One of the worst of the worst. So maybe you can squeeze a little bit of juice out of Kevin Knox, but I'd go Kevin Knox number two. And then getting the draft rights to Gabriel Procida is probably number three. We just got a tweet from Jonathan Tavanari and JT is, is one of our favorites. And he said that he'd, played with him and has mentored him and said that he's an absolutely fantastic kid, potentially a really good basketball player, but his draft rights came with the trade. So three pieces that came for Simone Fontecchio and I look at all three and they don't equal what I'm getting from Simone Fontecchio right now, but maybe in the future. Well, and that's, you know, that's what you look at and say, okay, well, and, and also, Simone Fontecchio is going to be a restricted free agent at the end of the year, too. And so you're going to have to make a decision. Do you give him a little extra money? You know, what, what does that situation look like as well? And I think the Jazz eliminated a little bit of a drama there when in trying to deal with what his future is going to look like and get something back for him. Um, and, and look, Simone Fontecchio, I love who he's developed as as a player. I think he has uh, turned into a nice piece. 
and the Jazz were able to swap him out for another another asset. And whether it's a part of a trade down the line with that second-round pick that is going to be essentially an extended first-round pick, uh, there's there's this is this is a classic Danny Ainge move. Honestly, this is this is this is a Danny Ainge, Justin Zanuck, uh couldn't couldn't script anything more likely where they look at it and say, okay, you know what? Here's a good player that kind of came out of nowhere that we were able to develop. Our coaching staff did a tremendous job with him, and it's a uh, buy low, sell high situation. Your Simone Fontecchio stock is never going to be higher than it is right now, and you're able to swap him out for a piece that I don't think. You're going to, I mean, obviously the chances of landing, landing a dynamic player at that spot at 32 or 33 is pretty minimal, but it can be a piece that gets you over the edge on a trade that you're trying to get done later on. Uh, it just gives you more ammunition is what it is. And and that's that's what they're building. Now, I don't know what that's building towards. That's going to be the million-dollar question. That's what this is going to be a really fascinating summer coming up for the Jazz in an offseason, and, and draft day is going to be really fascinating for this team. And then also, too, it gives you another chance, if this is indeed one of the reasons why they did it, to get another good look at Taylor Hendricks and get him meaningful minutes at the NBA level. Now, I think the G League's been good for him, but it's time to see what he can do, put his on his big boy pants and get meaningful NBA minutes and really see what you got there. Hmm. Well... It's going to be interesting just to see how this influences wins and losses. You know, I was watching the the game last night. Fantastic win over Oklahoma City. And if we didn't have some of this trade talk that's been going down, we would have spent a lot more time on this. But there was a moment last night that Simone Fontecchio really showed his worth. There were a couple moments where he showed his worth. Defensively, I think he gives you great effort. But I actually put a short clip out of this play in particular because I love hustle plays. So Oklahoma City comes down. I think it's about uh, three minutes left or or so in the game, maybe less. And Oklahoma City comes down and hoists up a three at the top of the arc. And Walker Kessler bodies up to Chet Holmgren, and they both go up, and and Walker Kessler kind of, tips the ball, and it becomes a 50-50 ball. And you watch Simone Fontecchio kind of hook an arm into Dort and run Dort to the sideline and with strength kind of push Dort. And Dort's a strong, oh, Dort's kind of really strong stocky player. body yep. dude. And he pushed him into the sideline and into the ball, and the ball goes off on Dort. Those are the things that – you just don't see on first vision, but then I rewound it and I watched the fourth quarter again, and I'm like, this guy. I, I actually had to put a clip out of this before I, I even knew that this trade was going to go down because, first of all, I love that Walker Kessler bodied up to Chet Holmgren and went up and got a tip on the ball to cause it to cause it to be a toss-up. And then I loved Fontecchio's hustle and his muscle to put into Dort and be able to get that ball back because that, that was a big moment. That led to two points. That was then the dish from Keontae George to Larry Markinen that led to two points, and I think it went for 114-119 or something like that for yeah, the yeah. Utah Jazz. So those are the kinds of things that I'm going to really miss with Simone Vontecchio. He He was really building himself into something great. And the other thing that kind of bugs me, Scotty, I, I – not bugs me. It, it's not that it bugs me. I just like what I'm seeing from European player development. 
and I think that they're worth something. I think that the European player is worth something. And I I think that this is an indicator of that. What you just got back from Simone, I think, is an indicator. Like, the European player and their development and their commitment and, you know, maybe they're less likely to complain, less likely to miss a workout and have an excuse. But there has been a rise of the European player in the NBA. And I wouldn't mind seeing a roster with the Utah Jazz that is, you know, 40 to 50% comprised of European players. I wouldn't mind it at all because they've become the hustlers. They've become the shooters. They, they seem to be the, the workhorses. Remember the old adage where European players were soft? Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, you know, they're just soft. And now, I will say this, they're, uh, most of them, uh, a good majority are a lot tougher than some of the, uh, some of the U.S. players right now. Well, that's definitely – what it appears to I think, me. And yes, that's on that, an outsider's but, view. But, yeah. but, Scotty, you know where I think that comes from is us watching Manna Ginobili for years and years flop to the court yep. and draw fouls right. and getting so sick of the flopping and the European and nature of it. Dirk helped, helped, was part of that, too. And, and Dirk, Dirk would do it, too. And then, you know, you kind of combo that with what we know of soccer and all the flopping that goes on in soccer. And it's like, oh, you're bringing that soccer flop and your European flair and it's a bunch of trash and go away with it and then you start to see these these guys like Jokic Jokic and you know we we've got some some experience with the Utah Jazz plenty of experience with Boyan Bogdanovich and Lowry Markinen and guys that just keep their mouth shut they keep their mouth shut they don't send out tweets like well we this is what we got to do with our world they just keep their mouth shut they play basketball they, they fight their butts off. They give back to the community. They give big smiles. They're grateful for what they have. And it feels like the American players kind of losing their way a little bit on that. So I'm going to miss Simone Fontacchio because I, I was hoping he'd be at peace with Larry Markinen and, and others as they continue to build this roster because I'm big on the European players. Well, I, I mean, I, I don't think there's any doubt that the Jazz got worse today. In yes, terms of it's this a, season, it's a I mean, there, 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 there's no doubt. Yeah, this is this is a long game, and so if you're looking at the Jazz trying to get better now, look now is this part of a larger operation? Probably, I wouldn't surprise me if there's more stuff coming down tomorrow uh, with the Utah Jazz. Maybe even later today. Like I think that there's still a lot of things in the works for the Jazz as they start to build for the future. But this isn't again. And we've said this all year long. This isn't about the 2023-24 season. This is about the 2026, 2027, 2028 seasons. Um, and uh, and so the Jazz brought in another bullet into the gun for hopefully something that's going to be, um, you know, used towards really developing something special in terms of talent acquisition, drafting ability, and all the other stuff that goes along with it. The player you're going to get at 32-33 isn't going to alter the landscape of your team. Not, not likely. Not likely. Um, you know, there's always those second round. Look, there's always the Jokic who gets drafted in the middle of a Taco Bell commercial. That's great. Uh, but the in the middle, but those are rarely. Those are what a great piece of I NBA know. history. Few. Those are few and far between where you get Jokic and a uh, grilled steak uh, chalupa at the yeah. same time. Like that just doesn't happen very often. That's your that's your unicorn. So what you do get, though, is, again, a piece of a bigger puzzle that can help tip it over the edge where you're like, hey, we can get this player and we're going to need this and this and this and the Jazz. Because I know that 
there were moments last year in that NBA draft room for the Utah Jazz where they had nothing available to them. They didn't have really any uh, in Danny Ainge's first year running the operation with Justin Zanuck. And I know they're looking around like, well, we'd like to do this. Can we do this? No, we don't have the we don't have the acquisition. We don't have the assets. Can we do this and this? No, we don't have the assets. We did, no, we don't have the assets. And everybody's standing around being like, well, this isn't fun. We can't do anything. Well, guess what? Those days are done now for the Jazz. They can do a lot. And they can be really aggressive. And Danny Ainge will be. And, and again, I want to I make sure that people know um, how heavily involved Justin Zanuck is on this. Because Danny Ainge has become kind of the face of the front office. Uh, and for good reason. Like, the guy's got such a huge resume and have done so many really good things. But remember, Justin Zanuck is still crazy involved with what the Jazz are doing in a front office standpoint and doing a lot of the legwork on this stuff. So uh, when it comes to summer, when it comes to draft day, and it comes to everything else involved, the Jazz now have the assets to really go out there and get crazy. Mm -hmm. Now, will they do it? I don't know. Sooner or later, you're going to have to push those chips in. And you're going to go all in on either one player or a combination of players like Ainge did when he brought in uh, Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen. And all of a sudden, you couple that with Paul Pierce and Rajon Rondo, and then you win a championship and you almost win another one with that group. He went all in on that. I want to say that was 07, 08, that draft day. Now, I don't know when that's going to happen, but sooner or later, you, you, you got to spend it. And you got all those assets. You got to put it out there. I don't know how it's going to look like, but it's going to happen. And the Jazz are now positioned to a point where they can do that. As far as Detroit is concerned, I don't know what the heck they're thinking. I don't know if they're just trying to stockpile former Utah Jazz European forwards. <laughs> because now you've got a, a logjam of Boyan Bajdanovic and Simone, Simone Fontecchio. Maybe they're looking to move Boyan. That would make sense to me. Because remember, they did draft um, uh, one of the Thompson brothers. I think it was Azar. But they pulled one of the Thompson brothers out of the draft, and and I know that he plays in the in that forward position. So I don't know what they're thinking. What is Detroit thinking? They they're taking on a little bit more salary. They're they're bringing in a Simone Fontecchio that, yeah. a, as you mentioned, is is going to be hitting a little bit more money if he continues to perform. Will be hitting a little bit more money after this year. So. Not that it matters what the Detroit Pistons are doing, but I, I sit here and think, man, I'm so glad that the Utah Jazz are not the Detroit Pistons. No, no, no. If you're if you're cranky about where the Jazz are, just know it could be a whole heck of a lot worse. It could be a lot worse. Yeah. And, and so I don't know what direction Detroit is trying to head with this move that they've made, but I do know that as far as second-round draft picks are concerned, I do believe, as you mentioned with Justin Zanuck and Danny Ainge, that they're the right guys to be sitting down doing the math on it. You know, I, I'm watching Keontae George last night, <clears throat> Scotty, and I was thinking to myself, man, what what a big-time hit. Yeah. What a big-time hit, knocking that out of the park with Keontae George. Yep. Uh, and, and, you know, look, George has a chance to be special. We'll get hopefully a little bit closer look at, uh, at Taylor Hendricks through this whole thing. And this is about evaluation at this point. Yeah, you'd love to hold on to that 8, 9, 10 spot, get yourself into the playoffs, even if it's in the playing tournament, and, uh, and, and give these guys experience. Because I think that's super important for Keontae George and Taylor Hendricks and, and Walker Kessler. 
and all these guys to experience what it's like to play in the playoffs because that's a whole nother level of intensity. By the way, you got a tweet rolling in. What's Kevin Knox's salary situation? Guy's making two point one million this year, and then he's off the books. Yeah, yeah, he's. I I think he's a million or a million and a half under what Simone Fataki was making. Yeah. So Jazz drop off a bit, and uh, Detroit takes on a little bit more, but it is overall. I think it's a pretty insignificant move. Yeah, I mean it's it, yeah. It probably doesn't demand a ton of attention or talk, but what it feels like scotty to me it feels like um it feels like that that first little quake before a potential yes actual quake yep you know uh, who knows knox may never put may never set foot in utah yeah and see i'm thinking that there there's something more kelly lennox name has been brought up so many times and he was so great to talk to the the media yesterday and say yeah I, I know like i know my name's out there and yeah i love utah and i want to be here but it's part of the beast i thought he handled it really well he's like this just it is what it is so if kelly Linick is thrown into a trade and a knox is is some type of use and we use some type of second round pick packaged into it like i i could see all of those things coming down the line it just feels like this was a little bit of a quake before the big one yep so potentially buckle up hold on to your butts well we'll see it's kind of tough because these back-to-back wins for the utah jazz against the milwaukee bucks and last night against Oklahoma City and doing it in fourth quarter play and doing it in exciting fashion. I know all of us are sitting back like, okay, well, now I want to see more. You, you want to see more of what this Jazz team can be. And Simone was a part of that. He was a part of the push. Yep, yep. Especially that win. And I, I can and- give you a couple more examples last night of what Simone did to help get that win over Oklahoma City. Hands and Scotty, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. You don't want to hear from us anymore. You want to hear from a guy that's going to save you a little bit of money. You want a guy that's going to be with you every step of the way in the car buying business. He's going to put you in a car that you love to drive, that's going to be fun to drive, and he's going to save you a ton of money doing it. Jake's with us. We're live here at Tim Daly Mazda, Southdown. How are you? What's going on, fellas? How are you? We're doing great. How you been? Well, I tell you what, it's been it's been a crazy week so far. Has it? Just a crazy week, you know. Good crazy? Yeah, yeah, always good crazy, you know. We we sold a whole bunch of cars on Monday and Tuesday, which is fantastic. Um I really think that people are starting to get some uh, tax returns back and good. you know, I have uh I have some offers to give out, you know, like we talked about last time you guys were here, the 0% did go away on the CX-5. Um so that's, you know, boohoo, but we do have 0% on the CX-30 and 0% on the CX-50. Okay, so, what, what's the 30 look like? So the 30 is, it's just a step down from the CX-5. Okay, You gotcha. know what I mean? So yeah. it's, it goes 30, 550, okay. and then 90. So, um, and I personally, my favorite car, and you guys have heard me say it over and over again, is the 50. And they got 0% for 63 months on the 50 right now, which is fantastic. Um, and then they got 72 months at 2.9%. So, um, you know, it's a great opportunity to come down and get one of those those brand new cars. Mm. Um and then also with with tax returns, we're going to match up to two thousand dollars in down payment for anybody out there that comes in. You put in two grand, we're going to match two grand. 
So wow. just a kind of a two a tax return match. Yeah, absolutely. So that's $4,000. I mean. Got to ma- mention the show. Yep, got to mention the show for sure. And you can get the 0%. And then uh, I'll even take uh, an additional $1,000 off the price today. And so you could, you could have up to five grand off. Yes. On top of the, the match. Uh-huh. That's that's a bigger number than typical. Yeah, that's that's a lot bigger. Listen, we're we're a little bit behind in selling new cars so far this month. So we got to do some catching up, <laughs> and uh, but th- that's good for everybody else out there. Well, and that's the thing. Like you, you always want to uh, you you always want to take care of people. And yeah, I've known absolutely. you long enough that that if somebody's out there driving around like oh, I'm upside down or man I can't do this or whatever credit you know. Like, just come in and talk to Jake and the crew. And, and the thing is, you'll shoot them straight. You'll be like, okay, look, we can do this and this. We're going to struggle with this a little bit. But guess what? We're going to put you in this situation, and then we're going to help you get here and here. And it's an honest, good conversation to kind of see where you're at and what you can do to get you into a vehicle. Yeah, why not? Why not take take a, a couple minutes to really see, you know, what we could do? Because there's a lot of things that we could do that you probably think that we can't. Uh, give us an opportunity to come down, save thousands of dollars, get into a brand new vehicle, pay zero percent, get the forever warranty. Yeah, right. Uh, it's covered forever. You know, you, you're ten years from now, your engine goes out. Guess what? We're p- replacing the engine. Transmission goes out. Guess what? We're replacing transmission. Uh, you know, you and that's free of charge. Yeah, that's free of charge. I mean, and you can't put a dollar figure on that. I mean, because that's just, you know, you end up giving it to one of your kids, and it goes out ten years from now. We're going to take care of it. It's all right here at Tim Daly Mazda Southtown. Come on by. Jake's going to be with us all show today. It's real easy to find on Automall Drive. And, look, you're getting up to five grand. they will match your $2,000 down payment. They're going to throw in an extra $1,000 uh, against the vehicle as well. This is the best time to buy one of these Mazdas. 107.85 Automall Drive. It's all right here on 97.5, the EKSL Sports Zone. This is this is DJ and PK. Jason Cole, senior writer from 33rdteam.com. How much do you get caught up in legacy? Legacy does mean a lot. You start to talk about what differentiates guys, why guys go in the Hall of Fame. This is the reason. This is why you say, okay, where does Andy Reid start to rank among the all-time coaches? Does right. he go from somewhere in the top 10 to does he start to sneak up into the top five? Patrick Mahomes, are we talking about he's in the top 10 or does he start sneaking up there with guys like Brady and Montana and you know Manning and all those guys. Mahomes just based on what he's done so far is probably a Hall of Famer. Reed is a Hall of Famer. But now we're talking about a different level of it. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 to 10. Presented by Murdoch Hyundai. Utah's number one Hyundai dealer for 16 years in a row on 97.5 the KSL Sports Zone. When's the and Scotty 97.5 DKSL Sports Zone time to check in with the man himself it's Ben Anderson jazz insider for kslsports.com uh, Ben's kind enough to hang out with us kind of make sense of what happened here with the jazz Ben how you doing hello Ben doing well how, how are you guys we're doing good. great all right so your initial thought uh, I thought you did a great job breaking this down with uh, Jake Scott on the air earlier today but when this thing came across, what's your initial thoughts on Simone Fontecchio on his way to Detroit? My honest thought was, what, what's Detroit doing? I, don't, I didn't really understand that, to be honest with you. And I get that, you know, Simone's a you know, 28-year-old veteran, and they are a team that needs to start winning games. They're, they're a mess. So from the Detroit perspective, I guess that makes a little bit of sense. But 
No, I thought this was a really good trade for the Utah Jazz. I think it checks multiple boxes when I think historically, if you look at what Danny Ainge and Justin Zanuck have done, you know, it's easy to say, well, you know, the Jazz need X, Y, and Z or, or just X. So they're just going to do a one-for-one trade. It's like that's not usually the best trades. Usually the best trades do a couple of things. And this trade does that. First of all, it puts them back into the NBA draft this year, which they didn't have a pick otherwise. Now, that doesn't mean that that was the priority, but that's kind of the obvious asset they're getting back is the 32nd, 33rd pick that'll be coming from the Washington Wizards uh, in this year's draft via Detroit. So that's one what thing. Do you, what, do you think the, what do you think the Jazz purpose is with the Fox move? With the, sorry, with the what move? Knox. With, or with their Knox move. Oh, I, 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 he's just had to match salary. I don't, I don't see him being a piece of any kind. But, uh, yeah, the, the Jazz get back into the second round uh, and an early second-round pick, which should give them some flexibility. It clears room for Taylor Hendricks to move into the lineup in some regard. You know, maybe that's not Simone Fontecchio's starting spot, but it's a, it's a chance to get him on the floor now. Also, it clears room for Ochai Abaji to try and figure out, you know, if he's an NBA player, if he's going to be a part of this team's core long-term, where he was pretty good last year to close the season and has not been able to replicate that. So that's beneficial. And then I, I think it gives you an opportunity with another overseas player who they are going to stash and has been stashed that sounds like people are kind of intrigued in. It's just another iron in the fire. So it, it, you lose Simone Fontecchio, who I wouldn't have been surprised if they lost in the offseason anyways, and you really kind of address three issues or you get three movable assets or three things that you can work with. And that's generally how Danny Ainge and Justin Zanuck have done business. And I think that's a smart move. Also, you know, some ammunition for, you know, the jazz may not draft there, but they do have ammunition, whether it be something that comes up tomorrow or something on draft day, something during the summer, uh, another asset. But, you know, I think a lot of jazz fans are like, okay, this is the tip of the iceberg of something bigger coming. Do you feel that? Or is this just uh, something cosmetic for maybe something that it'll take a few months or a year or so down the line? No, I, I mean, I think this is a, this move has some immediate uh, action. Again, I think it allows Hendricks to move into the lineup with the jazz or at least join the main roster full time. Uh, and maybe I'm wrong on that. I would be surprised if I'm wrong. I think, you know, you want to get your number nine overall pick in the rotation and playing and seeing what he can do and seeing if he's a guy you could count on as soon as next season, or if you still need to address that in the off season. Uh, I, and, you know, I don't know if I would say this is the tip of the iceberg. I think that would imply another major move coming yes. on its heels and maybe the jazz make another similar move. And I, I will tell you the truth. The return the jazz got for Simone Fontecchio is not, unlike what I thought they might get for Kelly Olenek. It's a borderline first-round pick. It's not quite there in the first round, but teams are pretty hesitant to move first, even in bad drafts, because they have perceived value. And then you kind of just get a young asset like this uh, this kid in Italy, and maybe he never comes over. He's playing in Germany right now. But I kind of thought, like, th- there's a realistic situation where that's what they were going to get for Kelly Olenek, you know, swap expiring contracts and, and, and get another draft asset in addition to it. So this is more than more for Simone Fontecchio than I expected them to be able to get. And maybe it does hint that there's a bigger market and, and better return for uh, for Kelly out there. But I can see that type of trade going down. I, I'm not sure I see the Jazz, you know, this being the precursor to going out and getting DeJounte Murray or something like that. As you did mention, it might mean more for Taylor Hendricks. We've got a 13-game sample size on him this year, somewhere close to five points a game. And, and we we know that he spent a lot of time at the G League, but as you look at what you've seen with Taylor Hendricks, 
do you feel like he's ready for more NBA time? Yeah, I mean, I think he needs to get more NBA time. Now, you know, is he as good as Simone Fontecchio right now? Probably not, but I'll have to admit, guys, I was not as sold on Simone Fontecchio as I think a lot of people were. I know he's had some nice moments defensively, but he's not like a great defensive player. He works hard. He tries hard, and that's a big part of the job when it comes to uh, to being a defensive player. But he's not the most gifted physical specimen we've ever seen. He's got NBA size, but he's not, you know, freakishly – doesn't have freakish measurables the way I think Taylor Hendricks does. I think that maybe where Taylor was best when he was with the Jazz, uh, especially in December when he was getting real rotation minutes, was on the defensive side of the ball where he showed some natural instincts. He really does slide his feet well. Just having a guy with a seven-foot wingspan is beneficial. He's a very good shot blocker. We know those things are uh, – we know he offers those things. So I, I actually think that might be pretty replaceable. And then there are a lot of things Simone Fontecchio couldn't do. I mean, he was not a dribbler. He's not a passer. He ran transition really poorly, made a lot of mistakes in some of those situations, had some ill-timed turnovers still. So while I get that Simone was kind of this surprise out of nowhere, I didn't ever think he was a long-term solution for the Utah Jazz. And I know maybe in December it felt like he could be, but – everything was clicking for the Jazz in December. And, and Simone was a part of that momentum and, and maybe benefited from it versus caused it. So I, I wasn't ever as sold on him as I think some of the narrative had created. And, and I think all along the Jazz were happy to build up his, his value uh, and trade him if they could. And if they didn't, they would have just let him walk in the offseason. So they got something essentially for nothing on a very low-cost buy uh, last year in the offseason. Another trade, uh, Memphis Grizzlies trading Xavier Tillman to the Celtics. They pick up a couple of uh, second-round picks for Tillman. Uh, he's on an expiring $2 million contract, so uh, uh, and the Celtics can uh, pick up his bird rights as well. So he's uh, on his way to Boston. Kind of give me, uh, when you look at Kelly Olenek, uh, what, give me some potential suitors that might be interested in him, and does his trade value – you know, if you got this for Simone Fontecchio, is does that increase his trade value, or is it still kind of in that same range, late first-round pick? The Xavier Tillman thing actually kind of changes, I guess, my perspective. I, I honestly hadn't seen that. I just, I just got back here. So uh, that's a little bit of a low cost, but Boston doesn't have a lot to offer. So that, that makes sense that they got Xavier Tillman. I actually kind of like Xavier Tillman as a player, and Memphis is, is doing a fire sale. Uh, now, Kelly Olenek is a far better player than Xavier Tillman. Hence his $12 million salary, and I think Xavier Tillman was like the 29th pick in the draft or something. So they, they are, those are not equal pieces. Um, no, I, I, I would key in on Philadelphia. Uh, I still think the Knicks could use big guys. I mean, you're talking about two teams that have lost major pieces in their front court to injury. Obviously, Julius Randle and Mitchell Robinson in New York, and then Joel Embiid. We'll see how much he's able to play this year, uh, or if he doesn't come back at all. We'll see where he is in four to six weeks. Uh, but I think Kelly Olynyk could make sense on both of those teams. Miami has some weird trade assets that don't really match up with what the Jazz have. I don't think they're giving up on Duncan Robinson right now. He's kind of had a resurgent year, and that's the piece that would make the most sense. So I, I would key on a couple of those Eastern Conference teams. Uh, but but Kelly helps everyone. I mean, Kelly is helping a mediocre Utah Jazz team right now because he is so versatile and because he can do five things. I mean, he started the fourth quarter yesterday playing point guard for the Utah Jazz. Well, he's six eleven and doesn't jump. But then if you need him to move to the front court, he can do that as well. So there's a lot of teams that can envision how to use Kelly Olynyk that may not even be the way the Jazz have used him. So really, there's 29 teams that he makes sense on. 
Hey, Ben, help Jazz fans understand just a little bit more in detail what it meant to grab the asset of draft rights to Gabriel Presida and what might be used and how that piece works for the Utah Jazz in the future. Well, my first thought was, oh, they saw him playing on the FIBA team with Simone Fontecchio when they were watching Simone Fontecchio and said, hey, that's another guy to, like, put on the list. You know, the, the, the Jazz have international scouts, and they, they have, you know, uh, a head of player personnel. That's entire job of professional personnel is just to know every other basketball player on the planet. And are they improving? Are they an NBA prospect? Is it a guy you should think should come in? Is it not anyone you should worry about? Like, those guys are always out there monitoring exactly this type of player. And, you know, Joe Ingles was one of these guys for a long time. You're like, he's might be good enough to make the NBA. He's kind of getting up there in age. Like when's someone going to take a swing, you're going to be able to pan out. So it, it's that type of, you know, iron in the fire that you kick down the road, you wait and watch. Maybe you bring him in for the summer league as soon as this year. And you say, Hey, is this a guy? Is this someone worth keeping around? It's a free audition. And you guys probably have the number in front of you. Is this like a 36th pick? Like European guys who are the 36th pick are generally kind of interesting. You know, those are guys who could be first round picks who fall out of the first round because you don't know when they're going to come over, but they've got the physical uh, dimensions that you need to be an NBA player. And you're just not sure how quickly they're going to be able to translate that game to the league. That's generally when those guys get picked in the thirties. So it's intriguing. I, I, I think it's somebody we will see at some point with the Utah jazz summer league. Uh, you know, sometimes you see these names traded and they were drafted in like 2011. Yeah, yeah. This guy's drafted two years ago. He's 21. So it, it is an asset that I certainly wouldn't say is, is never going to land in Utah. It's somebody at the very least you can uh, maybe bring to a summer league and test out. Ben Anderson joining us right here on 97.5, the EKSL Sports Zone. All right, so Ben, um, let's, uh, you know, obviously we're all talking about the trade and the potential trade deadline. Jazz lose to Philadelphia to start this homestand. And then they beat Milwaukee, and then they beat Oklahoma City. I mean, these are two good teams that came into Utah, and the Jazz were able to come away with some Ws. How impressed with you or what you saw last night in both those games, overcoming adversity and finding ways to get Ws? Yeah, there was kind of a joke early in the year. You know, we see David James and PK when they're leaving in the morning, and Jake and I are coming in, and DJ would always ask me what I thought was going to happen in that game. And for like a month and a half, I got it wrong. I just got every game wrong, which is why I'm not a professional gambler. But it's like, just when you think this jazz team is dead and kind of, you know, they lose six out of eight, including some really bad performances on the road and a terrible loss at home to Philadelphia, they turn around and beat the best team in the West and the number two ranked team in the Eastern conference, because they are really hard to predict, but they are very resilient and they do have talent. Uh, so, you know, does this mean they're going to beat Phoenix tomorrow? Probably not. Does it mean I think they're going to sweep the Lakers and the Warriors twice next week? Probably not, but you can't count them out. And I feel like, you know, with the Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert and Quinn Snyder teams, I could always kind of guess who they were going to beat and who they were going to lose to. It seemed pretty predictable. And this is not how Will Hardy's teams have operated. They, they have really good nights and they actually don't have that many bad nights where they no show. But, but when you do think they're at a low point, they always seem to get back up off the mat. And I think that's, that's a resilience that is nice to have if you're a basketball fan. And it certainly gives the jazz something to play for over these final 30 games where, you know, minus a major fire cell, uh, sale, excuse me, in the next 24 hours, uh, I suspect we will see the Jazz competing for a play-in tournament spot. Man, ben, how excited should people be on Keontae George? Back-to-back four-quarter usage was incredible. Dropped a shoulder on Dort, got separation, steps back for a clutch minute three that was so big. Um, had another three in that game that was critical. 
and is showing big, big guts in fourth quarters against big-time opponents. I'm glad you said guts. I was wondering I, where you are going I there. I said guts. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so how excited should Jazz fans be? I, I don't want you to draw a Donovan Mitchell comparison, really, because nobody wants to hear that or likes it. But are we seeing greatness start to form? Here's what I think is worth noting. I think he's probably, you know, Victor Wembanyama, and I'll say this draft class, I won't say this rookie class, so you can get rid of Chet Holmgren because he wasn't drafted this year. He was drafted two years ago. But, you know, I'll take Victor Wembanyama, uh, and then you start getting, you know, Brandon Miller's been really good this year, and there's some of these older guys like Jaime Hawkes, who's, you know, came from US, UCLA and played four years and is playing with the Heat and is playing really well, but like, Man, how many guys are you taking in front of Keontae George from this rookie yeah. class? And it's early, and these guys will develop. But like the Thompson twins, which were all the rage, uh, Keontae's been better than they are, you know. And and he's the same age. Actually, in fact, he's younger than both of those players. So I get why they have this elite athleticism that Keontae may not be able to channel. But it's not like he's not an NBA caliber athlete. We've seen some of the posters he's had this year. So you got a top five rookie in a draft class with number sixteen, and top five rookies in every draft class, even going back to the worst draft class in history are 10 or 12 year NBA veterans and starters. So if you get that guy, you're in really good shape. And, you know, does that mean he's the starting point guard of the future? The jazz certainly talk about him a lot that way. Uh, they, they always seem to be saying that that's the case and they aren't super shy about it. And then yeah, to your point hands, he plays 24 minutes of the last 24 minutes in the last two fourth quarters. Like the jazz aren't even hiding what they're doing with him. There's, yeah. there's no, we're going to bring him along slowly. Like they threw him out there against Damian Lillard and Shea Gildas Alexander and Lou Dort, who's one of the best defensive players in the NBA, point of attack on point guards, and he won those battles. So, what what could you possibly com- be complaining about? I guess if you're a Jazz fan, you know, I know you didn't tank and get Victor Wembanyama. You got a top four caliber pick in the draft with the number 16th pick that you got from the Minnesota Timberwolves, and then you're still going to see what Taylor Hendricks does this year. I guess like. That's how you build a team. That that's pretty steady and solid team building, in my opinion, and my understanding of of how teams like to operate. So, yeah, you, you've you've hit with Keontae George, and that's the hardest thing to do in the draft is to hit and get a guy. Uh, and I think you're clearly seeing not only is he an NBA player, but he has a chance to do some very special things. Ben, well, we appreciate your time as always. Thanks for hanging out with us again. Great stuff at KSLSports.com, as well as uh, go back and listen to. Uh, Jake and Ben show on podcast form. You have more analysis and breakdown of the trade there as it happened live. Uh, but we look forward to catching up with you again soon. Thanks. Thanks again for doing this. Thanks, Ben. Thanks guys. See ya. There he is. Ben Anderson right here on 97.5, the KSL sports zone. All right. Coming up next, uh, what you may have missed. And then, uh, Kurt Heelan will join us at one five. We'll get his thoughts on the trade as well as the other trade that just went down. Uh, we'll give you an update on that. And then in the two o'clock hour, Take a little closer look at the world of college football. It is National Letter of Intent Signing Day. Uh, you'll hear from Kalani Satake, who will join us at 240. Blake Anderson, head coach at Utah State, will join us at 205. It's all right here on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Ladies and gentlemen, may I present? This is JJ and Alex. Keep in mind that the Jazz have a, a long view here. Yeah. Danny Ainge, Justin Zanuck, Ryan Smith, they all have a long view here. 
of trying to win a championship. And so they'll make trades and they'll do things that they believe help them get there. And you have to throw sentiment out of the window. You can't fall in love with guys. This is a business, and you have to make business decisions. And Danny Ainge has a long career of doing that, being able to separate the business part of it from the personal part of it. And Colin Sexton is a guy that could be moved on Thursday. Based on what I've seen with him playing, that the Jazz would want to keep him, but you never know what's out there. And he is his trade value probably has never been higher if he is indeed on the trade block. Catch JJ and Alex afternoons from 3 to 6. Presented by G2G Bars on 97.5 The KSL Sports Zone. He works hard to give her all he thinks she wants. I know you play music for a reason. I'm having a hard time. Got to be Valentine's. What's going on, Lloyd? Flowers. Well, there is a read you got to do. Well, yeah. I. All right. Maybe that's it. I don't know. We're still a ways away from Valentine's. I Day. know, but you're doing the read, so I thought, why not? All right. Hey, make sure to join us. We're going to be live at Jimmy's Flowers coming up in Layton. Coming up on Monday, 2840 Hillfield Road. When it comes to Valentine's Day, think flowers. And when you think flowers, I want you to think Jimmy's flowers. Got, uh, there's that, there's that location. There's one actually right there in B-Town up in Bountiful. Grab your flowers. Don't screw it up. We could change the words a little bit, Scotty, and we could say, buy her a rose. Come see us at work. Because we'll, yeah, yeah, we'll like be that. there. That's not bad. Um, all right. What you may have missed right here on. The zone was we're live here. You want to just keep Deli Mazda talking about love? One hundred seven eighty five Automall Drive. Keep nope. Let's move on from that romance. <laughs> Why would in. you be playing this? Hans, Hans uh, and I were both looking at each other. Like I did pause for a minute, but but then I remembered I really do love. Love. Oh boy, and here we go. So I'll take that song any day. Uh, by the way, if you're just tuning in, I know we got some what you may have missed here in just a second, but Utah Jazz, Jazz did pull off a trade. Simone Fontecchio goes to Detroit. In return, you get a early second round pick. You get Knox, and you get a the draft rights to a European player that we just don't know a ton about. So you sold, you did not buy. Nope. That's a sell. And that's a, uh, you got worse today, but that's, you know, look, that's all right. That's, that's part of playing in the long game. Utah jazz did play the best basketball from a team in the state yesterday, getting a win (laughs) against Oklahoma city. Bar wasn't set that high yesterday. (laughs) Outside of that. Outside of that, not not uh, a lot of good going on. Um, BYU fell to Oklahoma. They were at Oklahoma, and they just couldn't get things going from three. They ended up 8-26 of 26 from three, and we know that BYU relies pretty heavy on the three, especially when Ali Khalifa is off the court. And Ali Khalifa was off the court because of a flu. Noah Waterman was out there, and he was sick, and you could see him dragging, but he was – he was trying, and BYU just could not get over the hump, and and they lose and lose badly, eighty-two to sixty-six. Yeah, you know it's Oklahoma. funny. It's funny because you know Spencer Nelson and I are calling the Utah State game, and we're checking scores, you know. And uh, I look around and I see Utah or BYU's up like thirty-four twenty-nine. I'm like, oh, 
Yeah. BYU's playing well. Yeah, if I remember right, it was tied at the half. Yeah, and I'm thinking, okay, BYU's got a chance to get themselves a big, nice road victory. And then at the end of the game, I back, went back and checked the scores like, oh, uh, oh, oh, okay. So the second half, not so much. So that happened. And then Utah State. Yeah, I called that one last night. And uh, Utah State was out of the gates fast, man. Had an early seven-point lead and looking good. And then Nevada goes on a 21-4 to run and uh, and ends up taking a uh, lead into halftime. And then Utah State cut it down to three. Uh, but Nevada just put the clamps down. And really, the Aggies' um, offense is really starting to struggle a little bit. Everybody's collapsing on great Osibor like you'd expect. They're bringing double, triple teams. He's passing it out, and Utah State's got to hit open shots, and they had a good, a lot of good looks last night, and they just couldn't knock them down. So the shooting woes continue for Utah State. They've got some work to do, and they've got a huge game coming up on Saturday against Boise State. Well, that was their first home loss. Yep. So they're going to shake that off, and the way they're going to shake that off, Lloyd and I actually found a couple of women to go out on dates with us. And Lloyd and I are going to be taking dates out to the Utah State-Boise State game this Saturday. Date night because we love love. You're taking the girls to Boise. (laughs) Or to Logan, sorry. To go see Boise. Bad things happen in Boise. Uh, uh, No, we're taking them up to Logan, and I will tell you bad things happen there, too. (laughs) I might become an ultimate Aggie. Oh, really? Who knows? Stop. 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 Who knows? Stop it. Depends what are you on, doing? Depends on how early I'm able to get up there. <laughs> <laughs> I can't let you be the only one on the show. Oh, I, I'm not. The only ultimate <laughs> Aggie on the show. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. So I'm, I'm headed up there. I'm excited. Uh, I'm Let's excited see, to get uh, on the spectrum just to see what it's all about. Yeah, and then it's going to be, obviously, it's already listed as a sellout. And... Also, that's uh, Stu Morrill. We'll have the court named after him. A lot of uh, former players up there. And Tim Lacombe will be doing color with me, and we'll have some fun. So Lloyd and I will be staring at the back of you and Tim Lacombe's heads. Well, we might be way up. I don't know where these are at. But I don't know where they're at either, actually. Yeah, but there's not a bad there, seat you know, in there, right? In that arena, there's not a bad seat. Yeah, okay. There really isn't. I mean, it seat, seats 10,000. It's all around. I mean, it's, it's yeah, any seat in there is a pretty good seat. It's a good place to watch a game. Well, and the fact that Lloyd and I found women that would actually go with us. Yes. I'm still – I'll believe it when I see it, honestly. Uh, well, I, I will tell you this. Um, the girl that Lloyd is taking, she's, <laughs> she's very good at finding seats that are a lot closer to the action. Have you heard that story? I have not heard this story. So I took my sister, Angie, to a – Like oh, Kenny Chesney or it something was like Ken, that? Yes, it was Kenny Chesney. And – so I was all excited because my sister's a big Kenny Chesney fan. It was at the Delta Center. So we show up, and they, I'm like, where are these tickets? And they're like, oh, they're, they're up there. So you go up another row, and then you go. We were one row in front of the wall at the very top. Wow. Yeah, And okay. I was like, geez. So I told my sister, I'm like, hey, I'm going to go grab a couple of – I'm going to grab popcorn or a drink or something. And so I go out to the, the foyer, and I bump into Jessica. Lloyd's girlfriend at the, at the Can time. Can you not say girlfriend? <laughs> at the time. I think we were married at this time, too, <laughs> by the Significant way. other. <laughs> We've now Maybe. been married for a long time. Mother of his children. And she goes, hey, do you want a couple of tickets just to get a little bit closer? I'm like, oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, this is this is great. 
because my my sister was still excited to be there. And yeah, she gives me two tickets. I grab my sister, and we're three rows away from Kitty Chesney. I'm like, Jessica, like this is a eight hundred dollar ticket. I said, where did you find it? She said, oh, those people over there were just giving them away. I guess there were people that were in the in the foyer, and they were like, know. hey, this, this sounds nefarious. <laughs> Lloyd, this is your wife. You can't be saying that she's up to no good, man. I'm just saying, but I'm hearing this story. I'm like, wow, really? They just, they had these tickets. And they're like, here, here's were, some, here's some tickets. Where, where were you, Lloyd? Your wife going to concert without you? Yeah, she did. I, I wasn't at this concert, no. All right. She went with, she had a ladies night. Okay. Well, let's just say it worked out really well because we enjoyed the concert. So your, we, your faith in humanity was restored. Oh, thanks fine, to Jessica. Finally something is. went my way. Yeah. Finally something went my way. All right, coming coming up next, Kurt Heelan will join us um, from NBC Sports and ProBasketballTalk.com. We've got some NBA trades to break down. We're live here at Tim Daly Mazda Southtown, 107.85 Automall Drive. Hands, uh, you know what? Mazda's beautiful vehicles. And if you've kind of don't, if you haven't had Mazda on, on top of your mind for a while, I just want you to come by and take a test drive. And you can see how it'll handle the rain because it's raining down here. You can come by, d- grab one of these vehicles. Some of them still have 0% financing attached to them. And you can take it for a little test drive. See what they do. See how much power these vehicles have. And then you bring it back here, and they're going to start working up some numbers for you that could very well include 0% financing. That uh, They will give you $1,000 off the vehicle. They're going to give you, uh, again, they're going to match your down payment. So if you put up to 2000 so if you put 2000 down, they'll match it. So all of a sudden, with $1,000 off, the matching down payment, you're looking at five grand. Yeah that is available for you to knock off the price of these vehicles. Plus, they're going to give you more for your trade-in than anybody else. I've bought uh, vehicles from uh, Jake in the past, a bunch of vehicles. I know you've worked deals with them here at Mazda. These are good dudes, man. They're here to help you out. Well, that's what I love the most is I just know Jake is going to take care of our people. Yep. Like, actually take care of our people. And that means a lot to me because I do not like getting tweets and emails that say, oh, man, I, I took your suggestion. It went really wrong. you know. And, and we've had some of those in the past. Never had one with Jake. Nope. Never had one with Tim Daly Mazda. And we've had some listeners that have given us some great feedback. Yeah, it's really a fun place to be. In fact, we just heard a story of how Jake bettered the entire process for his customers. Jake will go to great lengths to make sure that the process of your purchase Leaves you happy. Leaves yep. you satisfied. Yep. Hey, that dude is all about customer service, and if there's something he doesn't like, he fixes it. Uh, he almost kicked Scotty and I out for being too loud. Yep. 107.85, Automall Drive. It's Tim Daly, Mazda Southtown, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Number one. Miss any part of the show? Every moment of every show is available in podcast form by searching Hans and Scotty on your favorite podcasting platform or online at kslsports.com. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Hands and Scotty, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Trade deadline is looming. A couple trades coming. And everybody is getting ready for all the craziness that's about to begin. All right. Jazz have already pulled the trigger. If you're just joining us, 
Uh, Simone Fontecchio. The Fontecchio era in Utah has now come to an end. He's on his way to Detroit, <laughs> helping us break it all down, as I'm sure it shook NBC Sports to and pro basketball talk to the core. Let's get Kurt Heelan on to talk about it. Kurt, how are you? Hey, Kurt. Yeah, yeah. NBC was going to stop their Super Bowl coverage and just go straight to the Fontecchio uh, trade talk. I think that was, that was the plan. What does it all mean? <laughs> Fontecchio taking his talents to the Motor City. Uh, <laughs> you know, don't you? Don't you feel bad? I mean, they sent. They're sending a true Italian to play in Little Caesars Pizza Arena. That just seems cruel. (laughs) Did you just come up with that? Or is that circulating? Because that's a good one. I I, I had come up with it. I don't know if anybody else had said it or not. I'd put it in my post. So, So, yes, uh, Simone, we we know you're used to high-level Italian and Italian pizza, but let's talk about this thing called a deep-dish square Detroit-style pizza. I'm sure you'll love it. With with cheese dripping down sides. I like Detroit style pizza, but oh, I, it's not I do too. Uh, but honestly, when you look at it now, look, I you know I like who Simone Pontecchio is becoming as a player. But at the end of the day, to get essentially Washington's second round pick, which will be you know thirty two, thirty three in that range, and uh, you know it, it's it's not a bad pickup for Fontecchio. No, actually, I mean. Look, he's 20. I like him, but he's 28. He's not part of the future. And you just landed a very quality second-round pick. Uh, like you said, that's you know, 35 at the worst. It's the, it is technically the worst of Washington's or Memphis's. Um, probably Washington's, but, you know, both of them kind of stink. So either way, you're getting a really good pick. That's somebody those, – those high second-rounders are valuable because you can kind of roll the dice on somebody that – Maybe should have been a first rounder, and you're not locked into them. Um, first round, first round picks in the NBA have guaranteed money. Second round picks do not. So you can roll the dice on somebody, and if it doesn't work out, it doesn't hit you the same way. So uh, it's that's a great pick, um, and I, I totally think it's a it's a smart move by Danny Ainge. Like that's just a good pickup. Hey, Kurt, are the Utah Jazz fans going to get anything out of Kevin Knox? Only if they invest something in him. I, I know. Um, you know, look, he's he's going to strap to earn a rotation spot. He came in with a lot of promise in New York and, and is just never quite lived up to it. So, um, look, in Utah is the kind of place you get a chance. You know, that's not, you know, again, retooling team a little bit. And so you can get some minutes, but he's going to have to earn them and prove he deserves it. And we haven't really seen that yet. I, uh, I'm putting you on the spot here a little bit. I don't anticipate, and if you don't, you know, I don't know how much tabs you keep on on European basketball, but is there any value or any future to uh, Gabriel Procida, whose draft rights were also acquired by the Jazz in this thing? I I, I don't know. I would be, I'm not, I'm not going to yeah, pretend to know that's that. That's how we are, too. That's, so. a good, that's, a good, <laughs> that's a good name, though. It's a good name, but yeah, I'd, ha- I'd oh, have yeah. to do some research. I probably have notes on him somewhere, but... Um, in the middle of, of the draft deadline, I just that's, I'm like, eh, that's, I know that name, but I don't know what it stands for. Like, I don't know what he does. So any other trades that are really catching your eye that uh, we need to talk a little bit about, Kurt? No, it's really, I mean, it's been really quiet. I mean, you know, the, 
the only moves today, the day before the deadline, we're uh, just a little under 24 hours out now, um, from the deadline, it's been Fontecchio and Boston picked up Xavier Tillman, which is a nice depth piece for them for a couple of seconds, um, you know, out of Memphis. That's been it today. Um, I feel like I'm jinxing myself saying that out loud, but, like, it's it's just been quiet. But this whole this whole thing has been quiet. And now it looks like, you know, as of right now, I don't expect DeJounte Murray is going to get traded. Nobody, you know, Zach Levine's out because he's been hurt. So now the best player moved is maybe Kyle Kuzma. Like, it's just, it's not a very thrilling trade deadline. The best deals, you know, Terry Rozier and obviously, you know, Harden and OG Ananobi and Siakam, all that stuff happened already. You know, Lillard, if you want to go back to training camp, like, there's just not much happening right now, and it's and I'm not sure. There's going to be a bunch more Fontecchio-sized deals over the next 24 hours, but I don't know that you're going to see anything that really moves the needle. There's a team out there looking for the services of Kelly Olenek. Uh, who do you think they are, and, and where is possible landing spots for him? Yeah, if uh, he is probably the Jazz player most likely to be moved. I, I've been saying for a while that's the name I keep hearing, and that hasn't changed. Um, there are a whole bunch of contenders who could use playoff teams who could use a a veteran stretch big who plugs right into your locker room who knows how to play um, who can give you minutes now and you can even trust him a little in the playoffs. Um, I'm I'm not sure. I'd heard Boston a little. I know Boston had interest. I know Philly had interest. Um, uh, obviously, the Sixers are a tad short in the front court right now and might be more interested, and they've got the assets to go to go get anyone they want. Uh, and he's an expiring contract, which fits with what they need because they don't want to mess with their cap space this summer. That's why Buddy Heald's name comes up with them too. Um, but, I look, I, I've heard about 10 teams. Like, just you name a playoff team, they're like, yeah, we'd like to get Kelly Olenek. So I think it's just going to come down to who comes forward with the best offer. So, Kurt, do you think that the Lakers are going to ride the Davis, James, Russell, Reeves train right into the postseason? Do you think that they have confidence that this group – because it, it's it's now or never. It's just – it feels like it's closing in on them with every passing game. Is this what they're going to try to ride through the postseason? Looks like it. Um, wow. Um, sorry. They, um, yeah, there's just nothing really burnt. I mean, LeBron's doing all his passive aggressive stuff, but there's just, there's just not much. Of it. I mean, again, DeJounte Murray is the name you heard, but does he really move the needle that much for them? He's an upgraded point guard over D'Angelo Russell, especially defensively, but there's just not a player out there who really changes things for them. And I think that they've kind of, internally pivoted might be a strong word, but they're looking ahead now like, hey, let's not blow our draft capital. Let's not burn our 2029 pick for somebody kind of okay at the trade deadline because the way that things work out, they pick up a draft pick they can trade and a swap and stuff. Like there's stuff they can do more this summer once you get past July 1st. So they're better off waiting and trying to make a trade this summer for a bigger name that that 
gives them a boost. And that seems to be the direction they're headed. So in the short term, yeah, this is it. This, I, I know LeBron's 39, and it seems weird to burn a season, but that's kind of where they are. I, they're going to just bank on – I mean, he, they can rise up for a game. You saw it against the Knicks. With LeBron played great defense in the fourth quarter of that game. But, I mean, we've talked about this, guys. Like, do you really see them being able to do that four games out of seven against anybody good? Nope. No, sir. Um, Jazz get the win over Oklahoma City. This team is a certainly a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. They lose six out of eight, and then they uh, all of a sudden string back-to-back wins against Milwaukee and then Oklahoma City yeah. last night. It's just, you know, it, it, it can be a little bit maddening for us here trying to say, okay, this is who this team is because, frankly, it changes as much as the weather does. You're looking for consistency? See, that's yep. the problem. Yeah, yeah see, <laughs> it's a young team. They're still figuring it out. So, yeah, that's the problem. You, you see nights where and – and and this is why – you see nights and how this fits together, and it's why Markkanen's not available via trade because you can see how you can build something really good around him um, that he's kind of undervalued around the league, frankly. Um, but with Kessler and, and just, you know, George at the point and, and everything they're building up around it, it's just – it's going to take a little time. These aren't veterans who are ready to step in and play. So you get these games that they're up for and they look really good against OKC or good against, well, Doc Rivers has really turned everything around in Milwaukee, so they're fine. Um, you know, <laughs> but they don't, um, they don't bring that, they don't bring that energy and mentality every night, which is just kind of part of what you get with the young teams. Professionals haven't, haven't gotten there yet with that. So, Kurt, I feel kind of bad for Joel Embiid because he's dealing with another meniscus and a a procedure there in his left knee. And you and I both know that, what what are we talking now, three, four different meniscus procedures, and those meniscus can be uh, a real killer over a period of time dealing with arthritis and constant pain. And does this one worry you a little bit about Joel Embiid? I mean, I know he misses his second MVP opportunity because he's not going to hit the 65, but outside of that, does it worry you about him and, and what his future is? Yeah, it it really puts pressure on them, um, even whether he's back for these playoffs or not. And it's not – I know they're re- reevaluating in a month, and we're two months out from the start of the playoffs. But that's the – like you were saying, that is the second – trim we'll call it to use the, the the common vernacular they've removed a piece of his lateral left meniscus twice now that's that's the kind of thing that does like now you've got to monitor it the rest of you know the rest of his career and they may get to the point in the next couple of years and they've got paul reed who's a good backup center but like you may be at the point where it's i don't know late career Dwayne wade right we're like hey man we're getting 55 games out of this guy and get him to the playoffs healthy, and that's all we care about. Like, get him to the playoffs healthy, and that's the best we're going to do. They may be there, and they're going to have real pressure on them if he comes back for these playoffs, um, and they're not probably making a bold move at the playoffs. It'll be, you know, Maxian, Cope, S. Harris. And then this summer, they've got a lot of cap space, and they're going to go hard at getting – another name or two in there and really revamping this roster. And that thing has to win now because how many more years of it, how many more years of this peak? He's 30, but how many more years does his body really have? 
Not many. Yeah. Not not many. Yeah. I mean, when, when you're talking about trims and sewing up and and cleaning yeah. up meniscus, it just is. Uh, it's an ugly look. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's two on that same piece of meniscus, the lateral <sighs> left, and that's oh, not boy. getting into the right and everything else. Like it. Uh, and I mean, his foot and ankle and knee issues go back to. I mean, look. And frankly, he would have if you had said now. If you knew now what when he was in the draft, how he turned out, he'd still probably go number one. Like he would have gone yeah. number one at the time. It was his knee red flag. His the red flags on his health were there then, and this probably turned out better than a lot of people expected. I mean, he's got an MVP. He's been dominant, but this has long been the concern. Hey, with him out now, is it Shea Gillis Alexander? Is it uh, is it go maybe to, back to Jokic? Um. You know, we're still on the back stretch. Uh, maybe starting to starting to turn for home. You know, hit the uh, turn and, and move towards home. So, I think they're the two clear front runners. Um, but I, there's a long way to go between them. So we'll see where it lands. I think that. I mean, I had Shea slightly ahead of Jokic at the midway point, but I had them basically on the same tier with Embiid, frankly, almost on another tier. So it's those two, and then a step back to Giannis and Doncic and Tatum and Kawhi Leonard had better be in that mix, and I'm probably forgetting somebody off the top of my head. Um, there, but there's just a really good group. So we'll see if one of them climbs up. I mean, if 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 Kawhi keeps playing like this and the Clippers get the one seed, he's now in the conversation at least. So yeah, it's it's. Um, it's it's there's a long way to go, but I think Giannis and SGA are one two, and I'm not sure anybody. I'm not sure who would climb into that category outside of maybe Kawhi. Um, I'm not sure who would climb into that category because it's not it's not Tatum. He's got I, I like Tatum, but he's just not carrying a team the way those two guys have to. How does the Clay Thompson situation end in uh, Golden State? Ugly. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I, I mean, I do feel bad for him, and and I think you guys understand. Like you know, watching this for years, it is just, it is hard for an athlete to accept they're not that guy anymore, and he is clearly struggling to accept that. And part of that comes back to financial, right? The, the financial end of it, right? They're just, what are you gonna? You know, how much do you really want to pay him going forward? He's a free agent this summer. Obviously, he thought – I can't believe he thought he was going to get another $42 million a year contract, but whatever they've offered was well below what he thought, and they're probably thinking something in the Draymond range, which was four years and 100. And that's probably a little rich for Draymond, but they wanted to keep him around, and Draymond's playing better than Clay right now. So, yeah, I, I don't – I don't know how that ends – well but on the flip side of that it's not like there's some huge market for him out there yeah it's not like you know utah or or even forget utah let's say a contending team that wanted to bring him in like if you're i don't know somebody team looking well i'm like a team looking for shooting which would be everyone but let's say it was cleveland or miami or whomever they're not they're just they're not going to be offering more than golden state is right now he's probably more valuable to golden state just for a fan cultural point of view than it is you know he he helps fill the building there more than he's going to in Miami or anywhere else I'm just not sure 
there, there's a hard if he doesn't want to sign with the Warriors, I think there's a hard reality about what the market for him is out there about to hit him. Hecker, Scotty and I were talking about just Rudy Gobert and jazz fan relationships with Rudy Gobert, and it it got me thinking with Minnesota and and their push back first second in the West and what they're doing. Are are they built to be a real contender this year? They need to be. Um, by the way, what is the relationship like? How do jazz fans feel about it? It's really good. Well, I think, I think yeah, jazz fans uh, will always have a special place in their heart for for Rudy Gobert. Um, Donovan Mitchell, maybe not so much. That didn't end as well. That was yeah, as yeah. they would hope, as we would hope. But uh, but Rudy, because everybody knows, knows Rudy wanted to stay. Rudy wanted to be here. And if you yeah. show jazz fans you actually want to be here, then they will love you forever, regardless of where you end up at. Yeah. Um, I think Minnesota, not only can they kind of win this year, although I, I'm a believer that you kind of have to learn how to win a little bit at the highest level. And um, Rudy has played at that point before, but Towns hasn't. Uh, Carl Anthony Towns hasn't. And, you know, Anthony Edwards hasn't. So I think there's some learning curve there in a West with with Denver, with a Clipper team that hasn't won as a unit, but Kawhi has. They've got guys with experience um, and, and a great coach. So, I'm not sure that they're ready to knock on that door yet, but there's pressure on them to do it faster than, say, Oklahoma City, because Oklahoma City's all young, right? Like, you know, Shea Gildas Alexander's their oldest guy, um, and everybody else is kind of young and coming up. Minnesota's both older and about to hit a financial cliff. It is going to be very, very difficult to keep all the guys they've got in, in place. So with that, it's... There's going to be there's going to be changes coming. There's going to be in the next couple of years they're going to have to move towns or one of the big names just to make it work financially. So there's some pressure on them to do it now, um, but they're good. I mean they they've got an elite defense and they've got a guy who looks like he can be a playoff powerhouse in Edwards, and that's enough to get you a long long way. We always appreciate the time. Thanks for hanging out with us, and uh, we'll do it again next week. Should be a fun one tomorrow, and hopefully, just for entertainment purposes, we see some uh, we see some movement. It just doesn't seem like it's going to happen, though. No, it's been it's been pretty quiet. Um, I, yeah, I'm not optimistic. I, I, funny, I I think I'm starting my loser winners losers column after the deadline. Losers being fans because it's, <laughs> it's just awesome. not that thrilling, man. All right, we Take appreciate care, it. Thanks. All right, we'll see you. You're the best, Kurt. Thanks. There he is, Kurt Heelan, NBC Sports and ProBasketballTalk.com. We're live at Tim Daly Mazda Southtown, 107.85 Auto Mall Drive. Still some incredible savings right now. And Jake got a little crazy at the end of January. But guess what? In February, he's going to continue to do it as well. You're going to get a matching down payment. So let's say you get your tax refund and it's two grand and you need a new vehicle. You love this Mazda. So what you do is you come down, you bring that two grand. Jake's going to match it. So now you're four grand on your down payment. So four grand off the price of the vehicle, and then he's going to kick in another thousand dollars off the price of the vehicle. So now you're up to five thousand dollars off. That's right, folks. Five grand off, and you've got uh, a bunch of these vehicles still at zero percent. Uh, you've got the more for your trade than anybody else. They're going to throw in the forever warranty. I mean, come on, it's a no brainer. Yeah, we talked about it at the end of the year. The zero percent was going to fall off the five, and it did. Yeah. And, Scotty, I know you love the 5. I love own it. a 5, and we both love the Mazda brand. And it was kind of a bummer to see the 0% go off that 5. But Jake's favorite car is the 50, and that 0% still sits with the 50. 
and one other model here on the floor. So you can come in and you can take advantage of the 0% and he's still going to give the um, dollar for dollar match up to $2,000. Um, so a total of $4,000 and that $1,000 off, even with the 0%. And, and you don't usually see those no. compounding numbers like that. Nope. you got to come check it out. It's Tim Daly, Mazda Southtown, 107.85, Automall Drive, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. This is Jake Scott and Ben Anderson. The head coach of the Salt Lake City Stars, Steve Wojcikowski. You know, one of the things I've been impressed with Keontae is he seems to be a real basketball junkie. And as a result of kind of studying the game and trying to learn about the game, he's able to watch and see and listen to what the coaches need and input that into his game. Keontae was a scorer in college. I mean, that's like he's a he's a bona fide scorer, one of the best young scorers in college basketball. He really made his mark with the Jazz by passing, which tells me that his basketball IQ and his ability to understand what the game needs, what the team needs is really advanced for a young player and so that maturity piece to me is exceptional and you combine that with a really high level of talent, you have a star in the making. Here Jake Scott and Ben Anderson every day from 10 to noon on 97.5 the KSL Sports Zone. It's time to saddle up and talk about the winners and the losers. This is the good, the bad, and the ugly. Now, here's the good. Good, the bad, the ugly right here on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Before we get to the good, hands, let's give away some tickets, shall we? Call number 12, 801-575-ZONE. That's 801-575-ZONE, and you will win tickets to go see Train and REO Speedwagon at Utah First Credit Union Amphitheater, August 29th. If you want those tickets, be calling number 12. Very cool. That'll be a fun one. Um, just can't fight that feeling anymore. No, that's, that's for sure. Hey, the good today is actually a pretty interesting good. I'm curious to see what Corey Dennis is able to do for the University of Utah. A couple of things about Corey. Number one, he's the son-in-law of Urban Meyer. So he's been around football, knows football. Now he's not the son of Urban Meyer. He's the son-in-law of Urban Meyer, but probably getting a lot of suggestions from Papa Urban. Number two, he's been with Ohio State for nine seasons, and he's been helping their quarterback situation. He's got some familiarity with the University of Utah, Ohio State button up against Utah in one of those Rose Bowls. He was working with C.J. Stroud at the time, so he's worked with good quarterbacks. He's worked in high-level football. He's worked in high-stress environments. And when Bill O'Brien came in and took over, it was time for uh, Corey Dennis to seek greener pastures, and I'm hoping those greener pastures are with the University of Utah. I, I, I hope that he can really help. And Teaming him up with a quarterback that we we all know what he's about. We all know what he can do, but maybe you can give him just a a little extra. Bring just a little bit more to the table with Cam Rising. Teaming those guys up together? Let's see. Let's see. Nothing hurt. It doesn't hurt, that's Uh, for sure. Yeah, I'm not paying the bills. Nope. All right, there's your good. Let's get to the bad. Now the bad. Hands, let me introduce you to Camila uh, Valiva. She is a skier on the Russian ski team that ended up winning the gold medal in the Beijing Olympics. 
Unfortunately, though, for her and the ski team that she was a part of, now remember, she was 15 years old at the time she was competing in the 2022 Beijing Olympics. She's Russian? And she is Russian. And after a drug test, they found residues of trimetazine in her system. You don't say. It's a heart medication. And uh, she has been banned for four years. It's a four-year ban for this young woman. Now she has appealed. And you ready for her excuse as to why she tested positive? Because she admitted, yes, it was in my system. Please. Her grandfather was preparing a strawberry dessert for her to send her off to the Olympics. And while he was preparing this, he took a pill. But unfortunately, that pill accidentally dropped into this strawberry dessert that she consumed. Shockingly, the Court of Arbitration for Sports did not believe this. And the four-year ban remains in place. Now, this is this also stinks for her teammates because everybody's gold medal on the team got ripped away. Hers included, but everybody on the team. And so when they took out her scores, she then, the Russian team, goes from first place to third place. So all they have to turn in all their gold medals, and then they get rewarded with bronze medals instead. My biggest fear is what's going to drop into my strawberry shortcake dessert. It terrifies me. <laughs> Oh, man, I could see one of the three of us in front of um, our HR. And they're like, that's interesting. You've popped positive for this. And when you say three, I mean one of you guys. No. I didn't want to point fingers, but I couldn't really point fingers. No, you you never want to point fingers. I I pointed fingers once today, have you? I thought it was impressive how you collectively said us when, (laughs) when we knew what I was talking about. And then being like, well, my grandpa. <laughs> and I like how she's got to go, hey, with back pain. Grandpa, you got to take the heat for this. Just do it. I will tell you, and and Lloyd can remember back to this, and I am and I won't say the name. You're talking about Wendover? No, no. <laughs> I don't. No. And that was somewhere else. <laughs> no, that was no, Mesquite. That was Mesquite. <laughs> Not like there's a difference, but whatever. Let's get it right. Yeah. Lloyd and I were doing sports radio together, and, and there was somebody else that had just kind of left that world, and they popped positive oh, I, 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 for I opium. <laughs> and it was like, oh, that doesn't seem like that would fit that guy. Yeah. And then we talked to the guy, and he's like, I ate a poppy seed muffin. And we're like, <laughs> oh, it said it was elevated levels. How many poppy seed muffins? I really like them, all like right? four or five. Okay. <laughs> a lot of poppy seed muffins there, guy. Because that's not as good <laughs> as Grandpa's milkshake, but. <laughs> I remember that story. Yeah, dude, it was rough. Yeah, I bet. I actually felt terrible. Oh, I bet. Because this is the guy that, if there's a, one guy on the planet that you would believe. Yep. Would, would, it would, when he said it was poppy, I would believe that guy. Yeah, me yeah. too. Other guys would be like, eh, no. Yeah, uh-uh. that's not a poppy seed muffin, bud. Yeah. All right. There you go. There's your bad. Let's get to the ugly. No, we'll get nope, to the nope. ugly. Let's get to the ugly. Wherever you guys want to go is where I'll go. Lloyd. To the ugly. All right. And, of course, the ugly. Nobody wants to get to the ugly more than Hans Olsen. That isn't true. I'm I'm disgusted with this. But, you know, we've been talking about these DUIs. Janarius Robinson. He is the latest Las Vegas Raider to get himself arrested for drunk driving. At 5.59 in the morning, he was stopped on the Las Vegas Strip 
and he was charged with a, a DUI. And it's like, can can the Raiders go just one week? Yeah. One week. It, it, they aren't even involved in the Super Bowl. Their names should not be coming up in my Twitter feed ever. No, I wonder if there's like a sign in that practice facility that say, you know, where they like count down this many days since the last DUI. And then it's like, oh, we got to turn it, go, <laughs> go back to zero. We only, we only, eight we only hit five. Uh. <laughs> eight days without a DUI. I can't even believe this. It is maddening. So this guy really came on for us kind of like <laughs> later don't in the season. Came on for us. Don't, don't. Don't classify you as a Raiders fan. Hey, you are anything but. Honestly, and don't I, you hop I don't, on board? I don't know. All you're many, doing is trolling me, Scotty. And I, I don't, don't know any it. better Raider no, fans than one. Not Hansel. one. None. A real Raider fan would acknowledge the warts of this team. Lloyd, he's not going right. to sweep it under the rug. I demand better. I demand no, better. A real fan would try to sweep these things under the rug. Uh, That's generous. what real fans do. He started his career with the Vikings in 21 and then was moved over and, and actually finished out six games for the Raiders and ended up starting a few and was looking really good and everybody was excited and then gets hit with the DUI. And it's just inevitable. Las Vegas I'm Raiders telling you, cannot- the Super Bowl, there's so many bad things are going to be happening this week. Oh, like yeah. we, haven't even, we haven't even scraped the surface. Like it's going to be a bad, bad week for athletes. What, and did you see, the, by the way, the Live, Live Tour is having an event down there during the Super Bowl week? Really? Yeah. By okay. the way, could you, could you guys imagine, like, let's say that our radio station suffered the level of tragedy that the Raiders suffered with Henry Ruggs. Yes. Which was a drunk driving incident. Yep. Which was in Vegas, which killed a woman and her dog. Yep. In the most horrific way possible, going 130 plus or whatever it was in some sports car with his girlfriend in this passenger seat. And he hits into this woman fully intoxicated and he lives. It's one of the worst modern day tragedies in the history of the NFL. Really? It's just terrible. Yeah. And then a Raider gets a DUI again. Again. How are they getting DUIs? How do you not sit down and you're like, guys, like we, we got a really ugly stain on us. I don't know if you saw this, but one of us, one of our guys killed a woman because of a DUI. So let's be really cautious. Nah, it's yeah. 559 uh, nobody, in the morning. Nobody's going to get me here. I got to get home. Unbelievable. Mm. All right. Hans and Scotty. Remember Blake Anderson joining us at 205 Kalani Satake around 240. It's all right here on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. This is this is DJ and PK. Okay, so you got them last time at Delta Center. That's a poll question for another day. The Delta Center or Delta Center? What do they want? They've asked me to drop the the, so I'm going to. Because? Nobody asked me. They don't care what I think. I just like that it bugs you. Okay. <laughs> talking to a guy I work with. He said, I was up early driving somewhere. I had you guys on. PK was cracking me up. He's giving you such a hard time. But I agree <laughs> with you. It's the Delta Center. But it was still hilarious. <laughs> 
hilarious. I love that you've thought about it. Well, I have to. You keep bringing it up. I don't give a crap what they call it. <laughs> <laughs> it makes no difference to me. I care about what goes on the floor during the game. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 to 10. Presented by Murdoch Hyundai, Utah's number one Hyundai dealer for 16 years in a row on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Go! It's time to span the globe for the hard hitting news you care about. Well, not really. But hey, at least we found it interesting. This is Whole World News on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. We got, got the, the whole world in our hands. We got the It's another edition of Whole World News right here on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. And we hear about these stories sometimes overseas, sometimes in maybe third world countries. But now we have one kind of in our own backyard here in the United States, Evansville, Indiana. What looked like a tragedy instead became a miracle instead. According to a police report, a man, we have no identity on who he is, his age or health factors or anything like that. He was playing basketball at a park in a neighborhood in Evansville, Indiana, and he collapsed. Okay. How old did you say? I, I, they, they don't no have age? an age, okay. no, no nothing. We don't know name or anything. Sure. He collapsed on the basketball court. First responders arrived. They performed CPR, but it was unfortunately too late. Uh, resuscitation efforts were all in vain. Uh, they give the time of death. They haul him out. And according to Leslie Goodwin, who was uh, watching the game, she said, what we saw during that hour process, we thought he was a goner. I seen him playing basketball for hours, and then all of a sudden I seen him laying on the ground, and I thought maybe he just got winded from playing for a few hours. Then I realized he was dead. (sighs) Well, officials with the American Medical Response, uh, or excuse me, then they, we'll get to that here in a bit. Um, but then they take him and uh, to the coroner's office. They start to do the investigation and realize that the man is, in fact, still breathing. According to Deputy Coroner Keith Mosby, to find a person still alive during your investigation, I've never had that happen before. Uh, this was brought to the paramedics' attention by multiple individuals on the scene that he was dead. They pronounced him dead on the scene, but when he came back to our hospital, he was very much alive and very much breathing and now is expected to make a full recovery. A full recovery? Yes. Was he ever dead? Uh, That I do not know. Or did you just shower breathing? Not sure. No details, but an investigation is ongoing by the American Medical Response. They called the Vanderboro County coroners to the scene and, and we'll do a full investigation as to how this happened. Here's their response. We are aware of an incident that occurred on February 5th. This incident is under internal investigation. We take these matters very seriously, and we remain committing to ensuring the highest level of pre-hospital care possible to the communities of Evansville, Indiana. But if you're dead, you may not be dead. We're just going to double-check from now on. Somebody's getting sued. Eh, probably. Somebody's going to get sued. 
by a lot. He's not dead dead, just mostly dead. Because medical officials were on the scene and then the coroner was called? Yep. So they hauled him out. I don't know if they put him in the body bag or not. I'm sure they did. Had to have. Yeah, you typically, when, when the coroner shows up, they, they put you in the body bag and move you to their facility because you've been pronounced dead. You got the tag on your toe, off you go. There's a part of me that kind of wants that to happen to me, and then I would just – You know would everybody would so... think that – you know everybody would think that was an elaborate hoax on your part. <laughs> <laughs> like I was pranking everybody? Yeah, like, oh, boy. No, honestly, like if, heaven forbid, you had a heart attack or something, mm-hmm. everybody around would be like, hands, knock it off. Really? And you're like, no. And, you know, you're clenching your heart. And we're like, okay, knock it off. I've cried wolf too much. You've cried wolf way too many times. Lloyd, you probably have my back on this. Well, uh, I, you were yes, the most, I do. You were the most recent to cry wolf, though, Scotty. Got to admit that. Scotty said it like one time. I know, but he told me he got in a serious accident at a four-way stop. Got T-bone, and I was worried. You were worried that you were going to have to do the show alone. Is where you're... I, I could imagine... Because I, I have done it so many times to Amanda where I'll just call and say something horrific happened because I love to give her the good news that it, it didn't actually happen. That's my favorite part about those things. Yeah. It's like, oh, baby, I've been in a serious automobile accident. My leg is is partway off my body. <laughs> and then I'll say, oh, I'm just kidding. I'm fine. And it feels so good to give her the good news, you know? <laughs> Such yeah, a I bet bad she. Person. I, I bet she loves it. I bet she absolutely loves that. <laughs> she loves it. All right. Hey, on Friday we're gonna be live at Minky Couture. We'd love for you to come by and hang out. We'd love for you actually to be calling number twelve right now. Eight zero one five seven five zone. You'll win a monster size Minky Couture blanket. Again, caller twelve right now. Eight zero one five seven five zone. We're live at. Tim Daly, Mazda, Southtown, right now, 10785 Auto Mall Drive. You come down here. We got candy. We got jazz gear. We got all kinds of goodies for you. You stop by. You check out these vehicles. They're all priced to move. They're ready to go. And you've got 0% financing on the 50, a couple other models as well. You want these vehicles? I know you do. Hands drives a Mazda. I've got friends that are driving Mazdas. They're great vehicles. They're going to take care of you. You've got the forever warranty. You're going to get more for your trade-in than anybody else. I am telling you, it is a win-win situation. And Jake's not messing around today. He's going to match your trade-in up to 2000 So you know, let's say you got the tax refund. You got two grand back. Well, you bring it in here. You put 2000 down. He's going to match it. So now you're four grand against that vehicle, and he's going to kick off $1,000 against the price of the vehicle. So essentially, you're $5,000 off that price of that vehicle. You've got to take advantage of it right now. Tim Daly, Mazda Southtown, 10785 Automall Drive. It's right here on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. You're locked on to Hans Solson and Scotty Chick. Chick, Chick. That's right, yeah. On 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Hands and Scotty, 97.5, DKSL Sports Zone. It is National Letter of Intent Signing Day. Man, this used to be such a big deal in February. Yeah. 
Now it's uh, not quite. You throw in December, you throw in the uh, transfer portal, and it kind of takes away from what used to be a huge day uh, in college football. But uh, team's still reloading. You'll hear from Kalani Satake coming up here in about 35 minutes from right now. But joining us now, he is the head coach of the Utah State Aggies, Blake Anderson. Coach, long time no talk to you. How you been? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing all right. Doing all right. Can't complain. All right. So it just doesn't feel like it has the same kind of uh, same kind of excitement as it did. Does it feel that way in the offices, or is it still a crazy day up there? It's not quite as chaotic as it used to be. There's no doubt. I mean, we only signed three guys today, so most of the work has been going on. You know, much earlier in the process. Chaotic, crazy break during the holidays, and and the first signing class was was pure craziness. But this is. It's been pretty quiet. I think it's it's for the most part that way uh, around the country, with the exception of some of the programs that changed head coaches and are, and are building staff. So I'm sure they were still battling and, and banging away at it pretty good today. With the transfer portal and kids jumping into those portals, is it a different style of recruiting nowadays, Coach? Is it you have to work harder with those relationships and try to focus on commitments more and – like, well, what do you do to try to ensure that these guys are going to stay in your program, develop, and actually play for you in two or three years? Well, recruiting never stops, that's for sure. I mean, it started for us before the season was over with just recruiting our roster to stay put. And, and yeah, you've got to have great relationships with those guys, and they got to want to be there with you. Uh, it's, there's so many different people pulling at them to get them to leave, and there's agents involved in the process and people promising them, money to leave and some of it's real some of it's not but it's all it's all a distraction and and it's all enticing so it it started for us just keeping this roster together i'm you know thankful we can say that that we only lost one player out of the two deep you know this time last year we lost 10 starters and 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 most of which on defense and, and and that was you know that was just you're in pure panic mode at that point i mean how do we rebuild that much experience uh, so it starts on your roster, and then, yeah, in the process of recruiting high school and junior college players, that process can take almost a year. I mean, we're starting right now on next year's high school class, predominantly quarterbacks, but we'll trickle through this entire spring, recruiting every position and building an offer list. And uh, we'll make a ton of offers here in the state of Utah, and hopefully hand, you know, a handful of those guys will choose us between now and this time next year. And and then you throw the portal in there, it, it happens so fast that you have to do so much work in such a short period of time. Guys go in the portal in December, and they're on your campus almost a month later. Uh, some guys get in the portal in January, and they're on your campus a week or two later, days in some cases. It's, it has changed, and it is crazy. Uh, and so it makes today such a quiet experience compared to what we've been dealing with for the last few months. So, again, it's hard to talk about individual players because, you know, a lot of these guys you just don't know. We haven't seen film. We don't know what they bring to the table. But I always look at trends and look at efforts on, you know, in certain positions or sides of the ball. You add up your JC transfers and your four-year transfers. There's 24 of those guys. 17 are on the defensive side of the ball and a whole bunch on the D line as well. It's pretty easy to say that was a big point of emphasis for you guys. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, just – look at what we did defensively this year and 
it's it's easy to see we had to make a ton of we had to make a ton of improvements physically. Uh, you know, I, I, I you know we we made changes off the field. We brought in staff, but but without putting the pieces on the field, it, it's just not going to work. And we had to be uh, aggressive at the defensive line position, both inside and on the edges. We need to create some size, some power, some competition, some depth, and, and I feel like we attacked all those areas as best we could. And that is a really, really competitive place to recruit because everybody knows how important the defensive front is. And we weren't good enough a year ago. We just weren't. Uh, we weren't good enough the year before. And it had to change. And the best place to start is in recruiting. So we attacked it as best we could. I'm hoping it's going to pay huge dividends for us in the fall. You've done a lot of work in the portal for the quarterback position as this class is now coming to a close. How confident do you feel with what you've put together in that QB room, Coach? Yeah, I love the room. I love the fact that we're going to have a huge competition this spring, and and you know guys are going to be made better. I don't, I don't know who's going to win the job. Uh, you know, Coop chose to come back knowing full well that we were going to bring in guys to compete with him. That's a position that we didn't play well enough at last year. We need to get better. And Coop, you know, is going to only be better by being tested by by two guys that have tons of experience in, in Spencer and in Bryson. Um, they've immediately brought in this maturity and, and, and work ethic, both on and off the field. They're in the building every day watching tape, learning the offense. They work hard on the field. They both got big-time snaps under their belt. I mean, Coop's going into his, you know, his fifth or sixth year, and so he's got experience. I, I would say – we're going to have a heavyweight battle at that position this spring, and whoever rises to the top is going to be made better because of it. I mean, competition makes everybody better, and and, and it's it's one thing to practice; it's a different thing to play. But to create as much competition and as live of environments as we can is only going to make that position room better. And anxious and excited to see how it's going to turn out. So down here in Salt Lake, obviously everybody took quick notice when you do sign Bryson Barnes out of the portal. What was it about him that you saw that you liked, and what do you feel like he brings to that room in terms of experience and, and his ability to uh, push for that starting job? He's just a competitor, and you watch him play. And I, you know, I know that 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 um, he's tough, tough-minded guy, physical. He can make the big arm throws. Uh, clearly, he's got a great head on his shoulders. To be put in the big games and play in the big games that he did and perform the way he, that he did, I mean, it just tells you everything you need to know about him. He's uh, he's a guy that's that's got a lot of experience under his belt, and there's nothing like live game experiences in big situations. So I think he comes in with a tremendous amount of confidence, and I know he wanted he he was he was recruited to go a lot of places, and ultimately didn't want to get too far away from home. I mean, he's married and got a lot of family in the area, and the opportunity to compete for the job here. He wasn't afraid of competition with both Coop and Spence. He was the last guy of the three to commit to being here. Both Cooper and Spencer had both decided to be here or stay. And I think he made the decision to come eyes wide open. Coach, just give me an opportunity to compete. And that's what we told him. It's been a great addition. There's so much maturity in that room between those three guys and big game experience from all three there's very few people that have a room that is, it's got that many snaps under their belt 
three veteran guys in the room. And even even McKay, when you consider how many games he played in this year as a true freshman, um, yeah, I don't know the data and the stats, but, but I think there's very few quarterback rooms in Division One football that have that many starts and that many you know, competitive snaps under their belt as, as we do. I know McKay got banged up a lot during the course of the season. Uh, how's his health, and do you anticipate he'll be in the mix trying to compete for that starting job? Well, I absolutely do think he'll be in the mix. He's healthy. Uh, he got beat up. He got hit hard, and, and several times it was tough for him to get through. And I, I think he was shaken up pretty badly. He's, he's been completely different. Coming back, he wants to compete for the job. He knows that uh, he's got a redshirt year to use if he needs to, and if we need to utilize that, we will. Uh, but, but he also he wants to be in the conversation, and he's got all the skills to do so. We saw when he played uh, against Air Force, when he played against James Madison before he got dinged up. You, you can see what he's capable of. Uh, so I, I absolutely expect him to to fight like crazy to try to win the job. And luckily, uh, you know, there's enough guys in that room that that on any given day, man, anybody could have a great day. Coach, I'm admittedly biased, but I think that you got a lot better in your offensive line room. It looked like your portal was real successful in your offensive line room and excited about Miley, excited about the other Anderson uh, boy coming from Pitt. You feeling better about that offensive front that will protect those quarterbacks that we were just talking about? Well, I do. Those are two huge, you know, additions for us to get. Yeah, you don't. You don't always just assume that, that family's going to come home, but in, in those two cases, Trey brings length on the edge. It's something we did, really needed, and he'll be able to factor in and compete at the tackle position day one. And, and George brings, one I don't know, one of the best athletes in the room. Uh, coming back from mm-hmm. Baylor, we, we wanted so much to recruit him out of high school and just couldn't get in his top five. He was way too heavily recruited to get in that mix, and we kept relationships with him, DJ, T. Olive does a phenomenal job in Salt Lake, and and having his brother here was, it, I think it it made the transition to us pretty easy for for him and the family. He brings a ton of potential to the table because he's so versatile. He can play inside or on the edge, both of which should factor in day one uh, of spring, competing for starting jobs. At worst, they're in the position to be a a heavy, significant role player. That makes us better. The other thing is almost everybody that played significant snaps are back. I mean, everybody's going to be a year better. That room is only going to improve. We've got a Jared Pele sign with us as well. He'll be with us in the summer. We think he's a super athletic guy. So, I, And we got two young, long, rangy, 6'6", 330-plus pound you know, projects that that'll, we'll look up down the road. And, and I think we'll be really happy that we brought, brought both of them in here as well. Blake Anderson, head coach of Utah State, joining us right here on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. I go back a couple of years ago, man. This I'm getting old, I guess. I'm spacing his name. The uh, kid that you had at Ar- the linebacker you had at Arkansas State that was at Fresno that came with you to Utah State. Um, yeah, Justin Rice. Yeah, Justin Rice. Yeah, that's right. I can't believe I spaced that name. But he uh, he was a late signee right before fall. Do you leave a couple spots open just in case there's some guys after spring ball and summer that you can still bring in and add to this roster? Well, you know, as of right now, we are we are full. Uh, we we attacked every position that we could uh, between you know portal and JC and high school guys, and we've got 21 that are here now. We've got nine that'll come to us in the summer. 
but as, I think as we all know, uh, between injury, uh, a, a player or two that will end up retiring, we'll have some more attrition coming out of the spring. There's going to be some guys that, that just aren't playing as much as they'd like that will move on. And, and, and we were able to find almost everybody a place to land that left us the you know, the only guy that transferred inside the two deep that's that's at the power five level was Devin Dye. All the other guys that left, and there was a there were a handful of guys that did transfer down to one double A and division two places to to find more opportunities to play. And I would tell you we'll have a few of those coming out of spring. There's another portal window in April at the end of spring ball. And, and there'll be a few guys that just see that the writing on the wall, I'm not gonna play a lot or I'm not gonna play at all. I need to move down to a lower level to get on the field. And when that happens, it will free up some some spots for potential other needs. And between injury and attrition, there'll be another wave. And, and so I can see us adding another few guys over the course of the summer. But I do think this is, you know, 95 to 98% of the football team that, that our fan base is going to see play next fall. And, and we get 21 of them here now to go through spring and summer, which is huge. Coach, would you say it's significantly more difficult for a high school recruit to find a Division One scholarship nowadays? I think it has made it very difficult. It really has. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think we benefited from it with a couple of these guys that we signed today. I think both Chemo uh, at the offensive tackle spot and Herschel Turner at the running back spot, in, in previous years, I, I don't think either one of those guys is available to us this late in the process. I, I think both of them have tremendous upside, but there is just so much else going on. And when you lose a guy in the portal that's playing snaps for you or is a role player, to go take a high school guy that's going to take several years before you have the ability to put him on the field, I mean, that's a really dangerous proposition. And so when you're losing guys from your too deep or guys that you would expect to be on the field for you, you have to really think long and hard about whether to take a high school kid or or maybe a portal or JC kid. You know, we, we thought we needed to add as many bodies as possible that can impact our team this fall and give us the opportunity to elevate our roster and be more competitive next fall with an even tougher schedule coming up in front of us. So, um, that's why we only took six high school kids. I hope that number's double that next year. But but each year is going to be different, and you're going to have to balance it, and it's clearly making it difficult on high school kids to find homes when people that have huge collectives and NIL money to spend can go out and, and basically compete financially for an all-conference player or an all-American-type player or an every-down you know, free agent guy. And, and so it is, it has made it really difficult. You already had USC on the schedule. Thanks to the PAC 12 imploding, you add Washington state to the schedule. And then uh, it comes out that you get university of Utah as well on your schedule. So you got essentially three PAC 12 teams that you'll be playing next season, Utah coming to Logan, which is going to be awesome for, you know, fans, you know, Utah fans can drive up and see the game. Obviously cash Valley is going to be rocking, but you're going to be on that sideline going, Oh boy, we got Utah here. Uh, what, what, uh, what do you expect out of that game? And what were your thoughts when, uh, uh, when, when you found out that thing was going to be on the books? Well, I, I've been beat up for this comment, but it's great for the fan base. It's a, it's a brutal game for us. We know how good that program is. And, and 
you know, we're going to prepare to win that week, and, and, and we're going to need to play our very best to do it. I love that they're coming to us, but, man, that's a, when you talk about a tough schedule uh, and then you look at our conference and who we have to play in the league, you know, we talked all year about how tough this schedule was. Well, we just ratcheted it up another notch. And, and so we, we're going to have to play our very best. Um, you know, we don't ever take on an opponent that we don't, we don't have a plan to win, and we absolutely will. So if anybody's listening, understand this. We will prepare to win every week. But we're also understand just what that challenge is when you've got a USC, uh, a Utah who's you know won that league you know multiple times and top twenty five team, and then Washington State had a great year, and I know they're not going to be in the Pac twelve next year, but their roster has been you know been a Pac twelve roster for quite a while. I mean, we were fortunate to beat them a couple years ago, but they've improved in, in every area as well. So uh, it, it is going to be a huge challenge. <clears throat> And we're gonna we're gonna attack it in the best way we could, and the the best way to be competitive was by recruiting our tails off. And now we got to go develop the roster that we built. You know, I do love coach the fact that you were talking about some of the experiences and the big games of the quarterbacks you got in the room, and we were talking about bringing offensive linemen from Pitt and from Baylor. You've got transfers that don't look at this schedule and they're like, oh, we got to go to USC. Oh, we got Utah coming in. These kids are familiar with these big games, these big teams. They, they know what it's all about. They're not scared of that. That's actually got to be a bit of a bonus with bringing in some of these transfer kids that have been around these programs. No, no doubt. There's nobody in the building that's afraid of those games. Man, we just understand. We got to, we, we understand what it takes to win in them. And, and, I mean, everybody looks forward. Those guys know exactly who's on the schedule. They, they get excited about being able to play in, in those environments. And mm-hmm. I mean, there's our, our locker room is ecstatic about Utah coming here. We just want to be realistic about what it's going to take to win in that environment. And, and we're going to go after it, put a plan together, and hopefully go out and play our best ball when it matters most and, and, and have a huge win. Um, but at the same time, when you look at that and then you add to it just how difficult – our conference schedule is, mm-hmm. and then you take Nevada off the schedule and add Washington State. I mean, it all adds up. It's a it's a brutal gauntlet of a schedule that we're going to have to play our best all year. We're going to have to be healthy. We're going to have to get in better at a bunch of different positions. We're going to have to raise the bar defensively and and put ourselves in a position to to, to improve dramatically there offensively. We got to take the next step and build on what we did this year. I mean, it's it's a collective effort but nobody in this locker room coaches all the way down i mean nobody's scared of the of the challenge we're excited about the challenge we just know how difficult it's going to be and what it's going to take to get it done so uh i'm putting you on the spot here and if you if you're (laughs) not you never do that by the way (laughs) first time in the history you you miss hey look i miss these conversations uh all right so again you can comment on what you can. I, I don't know if there's things at play here, but uh, you do. You did revamp the coaching staff on that side of the ball. Can you go into details as to who's there and, and what that looks like now? Yeah, yeah. We've got everybody intact, uh, with the exception of maybe a couple young guys. You know, we we always if you got good GAs and analysts, you're always going to get poached here or there. But uh, for the most part, we're, we're basically done there. Uh, we'll announce tonight. We've got an event tonight. I think most of the fan base. Uh, Artie has a good idea. Uh, Nate Dryling uh, is our defense coordinator. He comes to us from New Mexico State. And anybody that's paid attention to college football over the last couple of years, 
has seen what he is capable of as a defensive coordinator. I mean, he took over there two years ago, and when when he took over as the DC, and um, and Jerry Kills took over as the head coach. Statistically speaking, I think they were dead last in the country in, in defense. And, and if they weren't dead last, they were pretty close. And over the course of a year and a half, he was able to take that defense, and they were able to take that program to a 10-win team, play for a title, and ranked in the top 50 and top 30 and top 25 in, in all the categories that matter. I think they led that league in defensive scoring. And, and it's just obviously I felt like that he brings a ton of things to the table. If you can do that at a place like New Mexico State, then think about what you can do with just even better resources and, and better bodies. And, and so to me, watching somebody do more with less, just he had less resources, less opportunity there, tough schedule and still I think they held Auburn at 65 yards rushing. Uh, and you know good and well, physically, body for body, that they were outmatched. And so, and that's what I was looking for. Somebody that would understand what we're up against, understand that we're not going out and getting the pick of the litter and five stars and four stars. we got guys coming in here with a blue-collar mentality. He's a great teacher. Uh, he's extremely well thought of in the profession. He is young and energetic, uh, but he translates well with the players. And, and, and really comes from a great background. Was on the staff at Oregon uh, underneath Andy Avalos, uh, you know, in, in that defense, and then clearly has done a great job at Pitt State and, and now, now at New Mexico State. So he will be the defense coordinator. We've added a group around him, uh, guys, several guys that he did work with at, at Oregon and, and Bobby McMillan, the coach linebackers, and Kwame uh, Ajiman, coaching safeties, and Jalen Ortiz to coach corners. Those two guys were together at, at Nevada. They were all together at Oregon. I thought Nevada's back end uh, was as technically sound as anybody we played all year. I remember talking about it that week as we were watching tape. And then Cedric Douglas will come in and be the defensive line coach, and be the run game coordinator. He comes to us from University of Buffalo. But he was actually on my staff at, at Arkansas State uh, earlier in his career as a young guy. And I thought he had a great future ahead of him. And I think he's going to be a great addition. Um, you never want to have uh, change if you don't have to, and I hated going through it. And, and everybody knows how close Joe Cawthon and I were, and, and I hate having to make the changes that we made, but I also am super excited about where we're headed and what we're able to bring in and just what they're able to bring to the table. Coach, we appreciate it. Um, I figured you weren't at the game, so I didn't send you any official info, info on officials for the game last night. I figured you were busy. Well, I hate that I missed that one. I know it was a tough one for them. They'll get back on track. Yeah, I, they will. Absolutely. Coach, thanks for your time. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Coach. Appreciate it, guys. Take care. There you go. That's Blake Anderson, head coach at Utah State, right here on 97.5, the EKSL Sports Zone. I always send him uh, the list of who the officials are before a basketball game because he wants to heckle them. Oh, really? He wants their names. <laughs> so, yeah. So he can get after them a little he bit. He wants the pictures and their <laughs> names. That's awesome. Well, hopefully they'll be up there on Saturday. I'd love to say hi to them. All right, 227, Hans and Scotty live here at Tim Daly, Mazda Southtown. $2,000, up to $2,000 on your down payment. They will match it. So you're up to four grand on your down payment. They'll throw in an extra $1,000 off the vehicle. So, look, you're looking at five grand you get to play with here. So come down and check them out. Great vehicles, price to move, great savings. The forever warranty is always attached as well. Come on, you can't go wrong. 
It's all right here on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Kalani Sataki coming up in just about 12 minutes from now. This is this is DJ and PK. Jason Cole, senior writer from 33rdteam.com. How much do you get caught up in legacy? Legacy does mean a lot. You start to talk about what differentiates guys, why guys go in the Hall of Fame. This is the reason. This is why you say, okay, where does Andy Reid start to rank among the all-time coaches? Does right. he go from somewhere in the top 10 to does he start to sneak up into the top five? Patrick Mahomes, are we talking about he's in the top 10 or does he start sneaking up there with guys like Brady and Montana and you know Manning and all those guys. Mahomes just based on what he's done so far is probably a Hall of Famer. Reed is a Hall of Famer. But now we're talking about a different level of it. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 to 10. Presented by Murdoch Hyundai. Utah's number one Hyundai dealer for 16 years in a row on 97.5 the KSL Sports Zone. Looking for the latest on the Jazz, Utes, Cougars, and Aggies? Yeah, we've got you covered. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on 97.5, the Sports Zone. Hans and Scotty, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Quick quick segment here as we get you ready for uh, Kalani Satake, who will join us coming up here in just a few minutes from now. Well, if you're tuning in, and I know we're doing a lot of recruiting talk right now, but the Utah Jazz did execute a trade just before Scotty and I jumped on air. And the way Scotty and I have broken down and analyzed it, it's definitely the Utah Jazz selling. They're not buying. They didn't get better, but maybe their future got better. They're going to get a second-round pick that should go off somewhere around pick number 32. And remember, day two of the NBA draft is different now because they're splitting up the draft into two days. So that gives you a little bit more time to marinate, a little bit more time to think about it, a little bit more time to build some excitement. So I don't mind that 32 pick. I think that'll be pretty decent. You get the trade rights to another European player, and you're starting to see some of the film come out on that guy uh, and there are plenty of people that are saying he's going to be good at some point. And then you get Kevin Knox back in the trade. Yep. Should be a fun one for sure as uh, as the Jazz get set for um, uh, the stretch run of the season. Just a few games left for the All-Star break. And then uh, the trade deadline coming up tomorrow. Get ready. We'll have all the coverage right here on The Zone. All right, take a break. Come back. You'll hear from Kalani Sataki straight ahead right here on The Zone. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, may I present... This is JJ and Alex. Keep in mind that the Jazz have a, a long view here. Yeah. Danny Ainge, Justin Zanuck, Ryan Smith, they all have a long view here of trying to win a championship. And so they'll make trades and they'll do things that they believe help them get there. And you have to throw sentiment out of the window. You can't fall in love with guys. This is a business, and you have to make business decisions. And Danny Ainge has a long career of doing that, being able to separate the business part of it from the personal part of it. And Colin Sexton is a guy that could be moved on Thursday. Based on what I've seen with him playing, that the Jazz would want to keep him, but you never know what's out there. And he is his trade value probably has never been higher if he is indeed on the trade block. Catch JJ and Alex afternoons from 3 to 6. Presented by G2G Bars on 97.5 The KSL Sports Zone. (laughs) 
Hans Olsen, Scott Gerard, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. It is National Letter of Intent Signing Day. May not have the same juice and excitement as it had in years past. Uh, transfer portal, uh, the December signing day may have uh, eroded a bit of it, but it's still a big deal as BYU retooling for the upcoming season and seasons beyond. And joining us now, he's the head coach of the Cougars, Kalani Satake, kind enough to join us. Coach, how are you? Hey, Coach. What's going on, guys? How you doing? I'm good. Do you ever get a chance to, like, when's your time where you can relax? I mean, with the portal, is it really eliminated any time for you to just to be able to decompress as a coach? It's it's made it a little bit, uh, you know, more difficult, but it's okay. I, I think this is, man, this is a dream job for me. So I love what I do. And <laughs> our coaches love it. I mean, after today, we'll, we'll give our guys a, a little bit of a break, but most of them are going to be, you know, our new coach is going to be uh, kind of solidifying their housing situation, move their families in. And then, uh, the, but the rest of it, the, the guys are going to be around a little bit more around the players and see their workouts. And because uh, we got spring ball right around the corner, so not a lot of time to to relax. But we, I think it's important that we give them a little bit of time just to uh, to just kind of you know relax a little bit before we get back on it again. Well, Kalani, let's talk a little bit about this class because it's uh, highly touted, highly ranked, and it has grabbed a lot of momentum. There was a couple of nice signings, edge rushers. And some and a quarterback that was signed today, and I'm excited about the class. Just kind of give us your overall preview of what you put together and kind of finalized today. Yeah, I, I really like the group. Uh, I, I think more than anything, uh, it's the recruiting battles we got into. Uh, it was a lot of fun uh, just recruiting some guys that, that, that you know I think uh, were, were difficult to recruit. I mean, that's that's just part of the game, and, and I think. Uh, you know, getting guys to understand what BYU is all about. I, I look at the 20 defensive players, the eight offensive players, and three special special teams guys. Uh, a lot of people are like, well, how come not so many, so much offense? Well, we have a lot of offensive guys coming uh, from missions, and we still have a, a little bit more room to add if we need to for the transfer portal. But we have some guys within that have developed really nicely on the offensive side. We brought some guys that, that uh, were <clears throat> in the transfer portal last year and then had their first year now returning production is going to be really nice having guys that are a little bit more veteran another year in the system understanding the concepts a little bit more receivers understanding what Fessy wants and everybody on the offensive side understanding what A-Rod wants altogether and I think the key was just getting uh, athletes and players that can possibly see the field early and a lot of these kids that we signed out of high school I can see them uh, being on the field even as early as this fall. So Obviously, there's a lot of people that will immediately go to the quarterback position. Uh, Gary Bohannon officially in the books, and he's signed. What do you anticipate that he brings, and what does that competition look like uh, coming into the spring and fall with him? I think he brings tons of experience. That's the number one thing that, that stands out is that he's won the Big 12 Conference and uh, as a quarterback at Baylor, and um, he's been in a lot of competition. He's also has uh, some adversity. He's gone through some some injuries and uh, didn't play, and so he's had to overcome that. And uh, you know, we we took that into account, had him work out, and and, and saw, just talked to everybody that that were, in, were involved with his rehab and see that he's in a really good spot. And I think he's when when the game's taken away from you, it gives you a different perspective. And uh, I think he's in a, in a really good uh, in a really good mindset right now. And then his just buy into our program, buy into what BYU is about, and then just to buy into. To the office, I, I think normally we we talk about not wanting to do one on one duns. We did that with Keaton. Uh, Keaton, even though he was uh, a veteran player, uh, still kind of new to the system. He's been around the air raid quite a bit, 
And so um, I, I think I give him a lot of credit for being able to take as much as he can and understand the offense. It's a little bit different with Gary. He's been in this offense before. A lot of the vocabulary is very very similar to what he had when he was with Grimes. And so um, there's not a lot of reteaching him. It's the stuff that he's very familiar with, that he knows really well, and that he's had success doing. And then his attitude coming in and just wanting to be compete. He's not promised anything, didn't demand demand anything. He just wanted to have a chance to compete. I think the competition will do really well for our team. You look at all these guys on this signing class, they're all going to compete for playing time and, and starting spots, and that's a good sign. I think there's uh, some guys that we've developed well that are going to compete, and then there's guys that we're adding on the on the roster with us for the signing class to compete, and uh, that, that should make us a better program, should make us a better team. And now we have that uh, the competition as well in the quarterback room. You know, just speaking of that quarterback room, I, I thought that, well, I, I guess I was thinking that you'd be pretty much done with a room that's got quite a few guys, but you're able to pick up Dylan Dunn out of Kansas. I was looking at some of his high school numbers. Nearly 4,000 passing yards last year, Scotty. 47 touchdowns, only four interceptions in his senior year of high school. You, you ready for this? Yeah. And, and I know, Kalani, I know you. when you're around guys, you feel a little old, but when I saw that and I saw his dad, Mark Dunn, who played at Box Elder, yeah. Uh, when I started in radio in the mid-90s, I called some of Mark Dunn's games at Box Elder High School. Oh, at high school? In high school. His dad, I called some of his high school games, Coach. <laughs> I feel sick to my stomach. But if he's anything like his old man, he's a heck of a player. Well, guys, it's official. We're all old. There you yeah. go. But the, 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 the thing that I do know about the, the quarterback position, and that's for the whole team, is that um, you need competition. And you need guys. You need able bodies. And with the, the style of football that's going on nowadays with quarterbacks being able to run the ball at different levels, you know, that, that, that we need to be able to um, have guys that can move a little bit. And, and you also have to have guys that can replace them just in case they get banged up. And so um, that's, just, that's just the way the game is nowadays. And uh, a, a crowded quarterback room is a good thing. I remember when there's a room with Zach Wilson, Beta Romney, and Jaron Hall in there competing. And uh, it worked out really nicely for, for us and for them. And, and uh, I think I think we've got to keep we got to keep funneling uh, recruits and competition, and giving them a chance to say, hey, we play the best guys. And when that happens, I think good things can the good things will happen when you when you do when you provide the competition. And you stick to playing the best uh, guys. Have to be on their toes. They have to be ready for it. So when it, when you're a veteran returning player on this team and you see this class, you're probably like, okay, I better better be ready to go because these guys are going to come in. And then you see the return missionaries that are coming in. Uh, there, there's a lot of guys that can play, and so that's a good thing for us. You know, Kalani, you coached and worked with some of the best pass rushers at the collegiate level in, in the history of the game. When you were at the University of Utah, you'd worked with a lot of great edge rushers and, and guys that could get the one-on-one pressures and more than pressures, the, the sacks. And I have people ask me, well, if, if you could see BYU improve in one area – Outside of the quarterback room, I really just want to see really good one-on-one pass rushing guys that can generate that rush off nice pass rushing moves, good speed, good strength, and and it feels like you guys really pushed to address that situation in this recruiting class. Would that be accurate? Yes, and 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 uh, I think scheme can only take you so far. Uh, really good pass rushers can make you look like a really good coach, and so that's. If you want to get improvement on 
running the ball, then you, 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 you go and get great running backs with great vision and guys that can block for them up front. Same thing with us. We got we have to add more talent. We have some really good guys up front, but it's not good enough. We, we needed a loaded room. If I'm talking about the quarterbacks being loaded with talent, we need a loaded room D-line as well. And then uh, you have to get to the quarterback with a four-man rush. And in order to do that, you need guys can do it that, that have proven that they've done it in the past, that they have the capabilities of doing it. And, so, and it's not just the ends. It's the D-tackles that can win their one-on-ones as well. When you have four guys rushing, you have five guys blocking, they can double one, so the other three better win. You know what I mean? And yep. you can have the guy that's getting doubled win against a double team, then you got something special, and that's what we're trying to provide here. And I think adding these D-tackles and these DNs and these, these hybrids, you know, getting a guy like Jack Kelly from Weaver to come here, that has uh, this guy has um, a ton of sacks already. Uh, I think it's going to be huge for us, but he can also drop and he can play linebacker. He just, he's not just a pass rusher. So having him and all these other guys that, that, that have done it and have shown film that they can do it, that's going to be the key for us. And that's, I, I think, I think we just became a much better team just from this recruiting class already. Now we just got to put it together and get them in the right scheme and, and make sure that everyone's on the same page and, and away we go. Hmm. I, I assume, you know, uh, high school is maybe a little different, but most of these guys will be there for uh, – or probably already on campus for spring. And uh, and uh, just how important is that for these guys to be there available in your weight program and then take part in spring ball? Yeah, and and, and, and we brought in some, some new guys. Uh, we, we, we added more resources in the weight room and strength and, and, and conditioning. And uh, that's from the full staff, but also with sports scientists and, and – uh, rehab directors. I mean, just a lot of things that go into it that we've made a, a conscious effort to improve there. Um, that, that That's going to make a world of difference for our players, give them confidence uh, that they can get stronger and bigger and just kind of gauge where, where they're at and then look at the, the deficiencies that they're at and try to find ways to get them stronger on, on certain areas. And so we feel good about where we're at, feel good about the urgency that we have from our team to get better, especially after last year, which is not up to our standard. And we can improve in a lot of ways. And I, I think that this right here um, helps us out quite a bit. But we still got a lot of work to go. I mean, I'm, we're not we're not arrived. We're going to utilize all the time we have. I, I'm just glad that we have a good group that are here, a good a good nucleus of players that are here currently, and and this uh, the culture that's going to drive this thing and, and getting us the success we need. Kalani, talk a little bit about your two new hires, uh, your offensive line coach and your tight ends coach coming in taking a look at the personnel, getting their first interactions, their first experiences there in Provo. Talk about the hiring process and talk about the guys that you've hired and, and some of the earlier interactions. Yeah, I mean, I, I've known T.J. Woods for a long time, and I've seen him and the way that he works. I've worked with him before. and uh, he, there's, there's guys that are starting in the NFL at every position that he's coached. So um, I know that he can do it. I know that he, he teaches the – same concept and schemes that we want, but he's also going to get these guys to play nasty. I think we've got to have we, – we felt like the yellow line could be a, a, a position of strength for us, and it just wasn't that. It wasn't enough. Um, you know, we're going to have guys – I mean, Kingsley's going to get drafted, and, and we'll have guys on our team that are going to get drafted next year, but uh, they're not playing like it, and we didn't play like it on the offensive side, and uh, and we needed to we need to change, you know, and, and that was the same thing with the tight ends, being Kevin – Gilbride bringing him in to BYU has been huge for us. The guy's been in the NFL for over a decade, has specialized in tight end, the position itself, 
has worked with some great ones, has a great reputation in, in football. I mean, he, he, he comes from great DNA. His dad has been in the NFL for decades as, as a, a well-known assistant coach and offensive coordinator play caller. So uh, just having those guys be a little bit more, uh, get a little bit more from our players and, and, and those, posi- those positions at O-line and tight ends. There's nothing to say against the, the, the people that, that, that I mean, change it. They're all good people. There's great people all over here, all over BYU. It's just we need better production, and I need to see the, the O-line play with a, a different type of mindset than what we had. And uh, having TJ along has been huge for us, retaining those O-linemen, getting those guys back. I mean, we have, I think, four guys that started before, Braden Kine and, and Connor Pay and Waylon Lapuajo and, and Caleb Etienne. So um, I, I know there's some others that are in there that are, that are competing for spots, but we feel really good about Joe Brown is going to be an amazing player. This guy just got home from a mission, and he's going to impress some people. Man. But looking at that and having um, you know, a coach like T.J. Woods be able to look after him and, and get on top of him and make sure that uh, there's there's not uh, a lot of room for error, he, he, he's going to get him. He's going to love him, but he's they got to play nasty and they got to get get after it a little bit more. Oh, there's no doubt. I I was around T.J. a little bit when he was at Utah State, and. Uh, and if there's a guy who walks into a room, you say, that's an O-line coach. And then you hear him talk, and you're like, that's definitely an O-line coach because <laughs> uh, that, that, that yeah. guy is he is tough, he's aggressive, and uh, he's going to make your guys tougher for sure. I'm, I'm a little biased because I, I, I love that dude, and I think he'll be great for you for sure at that O-line coaching position. Uh, coach, before I, I know we've got to wrap up here a little bit, but uh, just how difficult is it? And you don't need to go into specifics, but uh, how difficult is it in this day and age in college football because – Look, you have players that are excellent that have done good work for you, and all of a sudden I'm sure their phones are buzzing and there's a lot of people, whether it's high school coaches or parents or whatever, that are saying, hey, uh, you know what? If you hit the portal, we can go get this, and you can get this and this and this. Uh, how difficult is it to navigate uh, the world of college athletics right now and trying to not only get players to BYU but hold on to players at BYU? Well, that's that's part of the the, the the game now. That's part of the job, is uh, making sure that you you're you retain the best players and that you, uh, you their your vision for them they're in alignment with. And so I think if it's just a money transaction, then 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 this is probably not the place. But we have to have something in place where where you know our guys are taken care of. But the focus can't be just on one thing. And so uh, we, we're going to focus on, on teaching these young men when they recruit them, when we recruit them, about what BYU uh, is all about, how, how it's, a, it's a different place but unique and in all great ways for them to thrive and that they can accomplish all their dreams, uh, whether it's on the field or off the field. Uh, they, can, they can create a wonderful network of people, and that's what we're trying to sell to our, our, our recruits. When they get here and they see that it's, a, it's legit and that it's a – Actually, what we've been saying about in recruiting, they meet the wonderful people around here. They feel the culture of the program. Uh, they want to be part of it. And so I was, I'm glad that we were able to retain a good number of our players. I mean, spring ball is going to be a whole other thing. When, when the guys compete and guys want to play ball, I mean, we're going to have some attrition. That's part of the game. But I want to make sure that we retain the best players. And I'm glad that our coaches and, and, our, and our staff have been able to do that. And so um, we, you know, we look forward to, to putting this together and, and having a much better year this year than last year. Well, Kalani, your color analyst might be trash, but he's not jumping in the portal. So that's <laughs> you leave him alone. He's done some great. He's done some great things, man, and he's a fantastic teammate. I love him. So thank you, man. Appreciate you Appreciate guys. it so much. All right, Thanks, coach. coach.
There he is, Kalani Satake, head coach at BYU, right here on 97.5, the EKSL Sports Zone. Um, no, that being said, with Hans Olsen. No, no, that's that's not going to happen. I had too much fun with that last year, but I, I really wanted to see two things handled. I want to see the quarterback room get better, and I want to see the defensive ends get better at pass rush. Those two things. Spring ball is going to be important. I'm not going to jump to any conclusions. I would say that some of the the signings and the personnel, it it's not like it really floats my boat. But I'm going to get out there during spring and watch some of the deliveries and watch some of the timing and hopefully see one of these quarterbacks really surface as being the absolute leader. Before we go to break, and uh, Jake's going to throw on a headset real quick as we're live here at Tim Daly Mazda Southtown, Kevin Weeks. He is a broadcast analyst for ESPN, NHL Network, uh, NHL.com, TSN, uh, former NHL goalie. He's got 311,000 followers on Twitter. Okay. Okay, I don't know who this guy is, but apparently he's a big deal in the hockey world. He just sent out a tweet, and nobody hates the eyeball emoji more than me. I hate it. I think it's dumb. But he sent out eyeball emojis and a picture of the Salt Lake skyline salt lake city skyline and it's just hashtag hockey hashtag nhl hockey i don't know what it means but i'm trying to find out let's just say that so there you go let that sit and marinate for a little bit well i know phoenix phoenix is is really is in a real bad spot and there was word that there might be a decision on Phoenix pretty quick. Yeah. The Board of Governors had just had their meetings and were continuing to have meetings. So, yeah. That might that might be what these eyeballs are about. Yeah. All right. Tell you what, a lot of eyeball emojis down here checking out these vehicles, price to move. As Jake's hanging out with us, we're live here at Tim Daly Mazda Southtown. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. I, th- I thought you were going to throw out the eyeball something there. I was just waiting yeah. to hear what it was. <laughs> You know, here's the thing that, like, you want – so, obviously, when you buy a vehicle, you want, it, you want to buy it at a great deal. You want to be treated, right? You want your dollar and your time to be respected, and you do all of that. But then it's not like you kick them out the door and say, all right, you signed your paperwork. Get the heck out of here. Like, your service, if something goes wrong with the vehicle, if there's an accident, you have connections to great people that can get cars fixed. I mean, there's there, – this is – Absolutely. This is, this is not just a one-stop shop where you sell and then you're done. You want this to be a relationship where you continue to help and maintain and do everything else that needs to be done for a vehicle. Yeah, absolutely. You know, obviously, we want to take it it's, – it's called from cradle to grave, right? From <laughs> We want to be able to, to take care of you from the very uh, – when you very first show up to look at a car all the way through the whole lifespan of that car and of you buying cars, right? Um, and if we can't do that, that's, that's shame on us. So we want to show you that we can do that. We could take care of you through the whole life cycle of a vehicle and a life cycle of your buying processes that you're, you're doing for you and your family and everybody around you. You know, we're not interested in just selling you one car. We want to sell you lots of cars. And that's the only way that, uh, that we know how to do things. And that's by giving you a five-star experience. You know what I mean? And so we want to make sure that when you come here, we roll out the red carpet. We give you guys the best deal. We inform you about all the best options uh, so you can make an informative decision. And then we want to back it up for as long as you have that car. So, Let's talk, and let, let, because you had some meetings, so I want to make sure I didn't screw things up here, yep. okay? Because this is what I've been saying all show. So if I did, you're, you okay. might yell at me here. Okay, go ahead. All right, so somebody gets their tax refund, or they've got two grand they uh-huh. need to put towards a vehicle. You're yep. going to match it. Yes. So that two grand, up to two grand, can be four grand, just Correct. like that. Then you're going to take $1,000 off the price of the vehicle. Correct. So you're looking at $5,000 people have to play with right Correct. now. Correct. Plus, 
if you do 63 months, 0%, that's going to save you seven, eight, nine thousand dollars over the course of loan and interest. Wow. I mean, you're talking twelve, thirteen thousand dollars in savings, and you've got zero percent on the fifties, and on the thirties, and on the thirties. Mm-hmm. How long are you going to go with the two thousand dollar match? Um, I'm going to go with that. Uh, it'll go through tax return season, so I'll go through March for okay. sure. Awesome. Wow. Come in and get that done. Let's but that go. extra thousand, that's through. That's through. You know, that's through today through Friday. Through Friday. I just want people to come on down and test drive one of these Mazdas because if it's not on the top of your mind, I just want you to give it a shot. Drive it around, take it for a test drive, and I'm telling you, you're going to be impressed. These are great vehicles, ready to go. Jake and his crew are the best. Trust me on that one. They're going to help you out every step of the way. Thanks, man. Hey, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. There you go. It is right here at Tim Daly, Mazda Southtown, 10785 South Automall Drive. Hans, we'll be back with you tomorrow. Fun show. Everything's available for you in podcast form. Uh, just search Hans and Scotty wherever you get your uh, podcast, and you'll be good to go right here on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone.